Hey everybody, welcome back to the Punk Till I Die podcast. Neil has just informed me that this is episode number 222. Neil, the keeper of records. How you doing, buddy? Hey dude, I'm doing alright, thanks. Yeah, do you, did you get those commercials by you? The 222-2222 for some like junk-ass uh, lawyer guy who, you know, one of those guys that likes to sue people? Do you get those commercials? I did not. Oh, someone learned, but I, am I but I am interested in some frivolous lawsuits so I can retire <laughs> younger. <laughs> Why so not? So if I hear that, I will call them. Yes, there you go. But, so, of course, you can get a hold of us at our normal spots, Punk Till I Die 77 at Gmail, Punk Till I Die Podcast on Facebook, Punk Till I Die Podcast group on Facebook. Send us a message. We'll try to get back to you. Yes, indeed. So, Neil, in a world of quote-unquote punk bands, yes. it's nice every now and then to talk to a capital P punk guy, right? It certainly is. No, yeah, authentic as, it, as they that, come, that's, really. That's, yeah. how I would, that's how I would describe our guest today. His name is Bones. Actually, I have no idea what his real name is, but he's Bones, and he's the singer from Lower Class Brats. How you doing, Bones? I'm doing all right. Thank you for the uh, for the nice little intro there. I appreciate that. That's done true, work. man. Good. How are you guys doing? We're good, man. So I got to ask you something real quick because we're all old guys, and we love to talk about weather. So I was just seeing on the news, like, parts of Southern California are, like, snowed in. Are you anywhere near that, or is it, like, 70 and sunny where you are? Oh no, I'm in I, I I'm in San Diego. You know, oh okay. The, the weather the weather doesn't change here. We're 70 degrees year round. We we, we go surfing on Christmas Day. Mm. Um, no, that's it, why it, everyone it, hates uh, you. It's, it's, <laughs> it's pretty much yeah. You know, I uh, it's, uh, it's San Diego. You pay for the for the weather here. You know, it's it, it's it's nice usually year round. We get some we got some rain to this winter but that was about it it's snowing up in the mountains um there are some parts of california that are you know that are getting snow that don't usually get it um but not down here not where i'm at now it got wet for a little while but today's beautiful it was about i think about 70 degrees out no clouds in the sky you know it was yeah. great i was walking around short sleeves and and sweatpants some adidas sweats so i have so <laughs> so, so so i have to ask you were in chicago the other week how was the how did you find the weather there well, uh, let's see. I uh, I was on stage in full thermals. Uh, <laughs> so if that that anything to do, um, I, I was wearing thermal pants on stage because uh, I it was so cold outside, you know, and I had to take the thermal shirt off before I went on stage. But other than that, I had on full thermals and a long sleeve shirt, a jean jacket. And an alpha parka over all of that. <laughs> I probably would have and, been shorts. And, and and I'm outside talking to people, and they're standing there in a Levi jacket. And yeah. I'm like, God, how do you do this? Yeah, because funnily yeah, enough, it, I mean, it was. I was going to say, for us in February, it was actually wasn't a bad night at all. It was actually kind of pleasant. So. <laughs> Yeah. That's what that's what I was told. Yeah. But you know, if, if <laughs> I can't imagine a bad night. Uh, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I I have been to Chicago during the when it snowed before. I haven't been there during the snow and 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 you know like in different places. Like I remember going to up to uh, um, <clears throat> what is it? Uh, I can't even think right now. Um, up by Buffalo, the the lake, oh. the falls, Niagara yeah, yeah, Falls, yeah. Niagara Falls, oh, yeah. going up there, and and it was frozen over. The whole thing is frozen over. I'm like <laughs> I. I felt like a fucking popsicle. I only weigh 130 pounds. So <laughs> it's, uh, 
it gets a little rough for me in the cold sometimes, but I, I can deal with it. You know, you can put on, you can put on more layers to warm up, you know, but when it gets hot here in Southern California, you can only take so much off. You know what I mean? Yeah. True enough. So, yeah. So, you, yeah. so you're a, te- you're a Texan originally, right? I am not. I am. I was born and raised here in San Diego. Um, I had moved to Texas in 90. Uh, I was a tender age of 21. I got out of San Diego and moved down there because, uh, you know, when you're growing up in some place your whole life and, you know, a lot of people, you don't realize like where you are and what you have and what has been put in front of you and everything's been taken for granted. Um, I moved away. You know, I did some things to, to help fix myself. You know, I was I was a rowdy teenager in the punk scene here in San Diego. And uh, I moved to Texas and, you know, kind of got my act together and started lower class brats out there in 95. But uh, I lived out there for almost 25 years. Wow. And I this, moved back this was, here. This uh, was Austin, over, right? This was Austin? This was Austin, yeah. yeah and I, okay. I moved back here about a little over six years ago. You know, I started getting you know, a little older, it's time to be close to my family. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so I, I just got back out here and I realized, you know, how much I miss this place. And I, I, I miss the smell of the ocean, you know, and, uh, I miss the sun and, and, and the nice weather and, you know, well, Austin's uh, pretty nice though, isn't it? Back. Austin's yeah, pretty Austin's nice though. Nice. It, weather-wise. Austin, yeah. Austin's beautiful. It's yeah. One of the greenest cities I have ever been to. I mean, not, not like in recycling politically correct greenness, it is a green city. There are so many trees there. Mm-hmm. It is amazingly beautiful city. It really is. But one of the other reasons I left Austin also was that uh, for me personally, it started getting overrun by, you know, startup companies. There was, you know, it wasn't the cool place that it used to be, mm-hmm. you know, strong, strong hipster, Southwest. strong hipster element there. Very, it, it is terrible. It is so bad, and, uh, you know, everything just turned to crap. It wasn't the city that, that I fell in love with when I moved there in 1990, obviously, 25 years later. It's it's a completely different city. I moved there. There was less than a million people. I think there's two million people there now. Damn. Did you did you so, – were you originally drawn there because of its reputation as a good music city? I moved there for a girlfriend. Ah, I should have known. Yeah. I should have known. And – I, we, you know, I dated her when I was 17 and, uh, all throughout that we moved to Austin and, um, uh, we stayed together for a few years. She went off to college, a very smart woman. She was, uh, she was going to, uh, man, she was going to school in Lyon, France. Wow. Uh, she wanted to be, yeah, she wanted to be an interpreter, punk rock chick. She wanted to be an interpreter for, uh, politicians and so she was French major and she, uh, yeah, she ended up getting pregnant and, uh, <laughs> and coming back to Austin and I asked her to marry me and she's like, well, I can't, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, ah, cool. Get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> oh, it wasn't, and, you, it wasn't uh, you. You were not the father of the child. Oh, I got you. Oh, no, 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 no. I was going to say you got like uh, a 27 year old or something. Huh? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this was uh th- this was uh yeah so this was about 90 1997 96 97 the band had been around for about a year or two and you know i 
I'm so glad that it didn't happen. I mean, Rachel's a good person. Oh, I shouldn't even say her name. It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's okay. It doesn't matter. No one's going to know. Yeah. So, so she's never going to hear this. It doesn't matter. Uh, but <laughs> she is a she's a really good person. And, and, you know, I wish her luck in life, but she wanted to get married and have kids. And I, I really didn't want to, but I didn't want to lose her. You know what I'm saying? I think we all go through this in relationships, you know, and like, you know, it's, it's a common thing, but, uh, but you know, it kind of, you know, life kind of moved in the way, in the direction that I felt, I wanted it to go and the band continued. I didn't get married. I didn't have kids. I've been doing this band for 28 years now. So were you, you and and I love it. Were you in any bands before lower class brats or was that your first band? Um, I was in, well, like fuck around bands, you know, I was in a band here in San Diego in the late eighties, 87, 88 called horror show. Uh, so, so you can see that the clockwork thing kind of plays along with it and like yep, really yep. dark stuff. But uh, it's kind of been my thing since I, I was a kid and I found punk in the early 80s. But um, but either way, uh, that, that band didn't last long. And I was in another band in Austin called Fig Bash. Hmm. <laughs> so I don't want to talk about. So, so you, you know what? I'm going to lay it out online. If you're listening to this, you can go on YouTube and hear the Fig Bash demo. Oh, dear. Okay. It is atrocious. <laughs> go listen to it. I don't care. I've got nothing to hide, man. <laughs> but, you, you know, these are things that we do when we to get us to a point oh, sure. where we want to be, right? Yeah. What kind we of play stuff? in shitty bands. We play in, you know, we try out different things that aren't right for us. We dress in fashions that... that that we look at pictures a year later and go, what the fuck was I thinking? This is how we find ourselves. So I'm not 90s. embarrassed about it. It's something yeah. I did. Yeah, for sure. It was the nineties. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, I, I had on my Jankos and, Oh dear. Um, Ooh, enough said. Dance, enough <laughs> said, man. Yeah. I never got into that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I, you know, I'm joking. I hope you know. This. Okay. <laughs> anyway. All right. Just make, it's got Jankos and good. white you, boy dreads. <laughs> you didn't have a limp. Face. That's good. <laughs> So, hey, we we don't really know a lot of people down in Austin. I was just down there last fall, and I, it is a really nice city, even though it doesn't feel like Texas. That's the thing I thought when I was down there. I'm like, it's like it, it doesn't feel like the rest of Texas. But do you know any chance you know Jason Kotwitz from, uh, like, who played with the Dead Boys, the later Dead Boys? And, uh, He's in the Oxys. He He's in the Oxys, Oxys now, right? Yeah. Oxys is a new band. You, you know him or any chance? Yeah. You do? Okay, cool. cool. Yeah, I know Jason. Excellent. I think he knows everybody, yeah, right? He's a real well connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, we uh, we had him on. He's he's a really real fun guy, but he also uh, has all the great like cheetah stories that he can't tell, you know, in public too. <laughs> so. Oh, I'm sure. I guarantee you. I've, I've yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure he does. Yeah, cheetah lives in cheetah lives in Austin now. He said, you know, we'd see him at shows and stuff. Oh, like has that. he lived? There? I didn't realize uh, he lived down there. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, Neil. With that, I mean, with well, that, well, he. he I, no. the, then again, it's been like six years since I've been there, so he might not live there anymore. I'm I'm, I'm really not sure. I, I know he was for quite a while, though. Hmm. Yeah. Well, now that I've brought the conversation to a screaming halt, why don't we stick a song? <laughs> okay. Well, um, <laughs> this is going to be actually a song that was uh, was was this the first single? Who writes your rules, or was it just off the first album? That was the first single. That uh, that uh, that seven inch so this recording of who writes your rules um uh depending on which one you're playing um 
there's one off the seven inch and then the one off the LP, the one off the seven inch is actually from our demo tape. Hmm. Okay. Um, the demo tape was released on Helena boy records. Uh, there was eight or nine songs. I have a copy of it up here somewhere that I've kept, but, um, all those songs actually got used on, uh, on all recordings, except for a cover of Loud, Proud, and Punk by The Business that was mm -hmm. never released. Hmm. No one's ever heard that before, except for if you have the demo. Um, but yeah, it's that, actually... That's going to uh, be on like your odds and ends collection one day. <laughs> Probably. I, yeah, I, well, well Bonus if, track. if we can get it off this, this rotten tape that's been sitting on my shelf for <laughs> fucking 30 years. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It's funny because we, I, I, I was going through a stage of... Where I was playing a lot of angry music, so we actually played this song not that long ago, right, Neil? What loud problem punk? No, the uh, oh, who, who writes, who writes the rules. rules? Yeah, 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 yeah. We did, but the hell, great song. yeah, it's a great, it's a great, great song. Now, was this written about anyone in particular, or do you not want to say? Yeah, because there's a oh, reference well, to big pants was... in the song. Yeah, <laughs> Junkos. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's written about my time in Big Bash with my Jankos. No, I uh, no. So it, it, it so the song, uh, the story behind the song was actually um, I worked on uh, in Austin. There's a there's a street called uh, Guadalupe, and, and locals call it the Drag. And when I worked down there, I worked at a bagel shop, and there it was about the time in the early and mid nineties when this huge flux of crust punk starts coming out and it wasn't the bands. It wasn't the music because I liked the bands and I liked the music. It was the people mm -hmm. and it was these kids and they were coming out of this scene of Jenko pants and, and little popsicle stick skateboards and fake, you know, dreadlocks and all this stuff, the stuff that I mentioned in the song. Um, and you know, when they have a, you know, they're wearing massive, big baggy pants with the bottoms cut off with a conflict patch on them. And I'm like, I want to kill all of you. <laughs> I want you. Oh my God. I, I just want you all to die, you know? And it's like, and you know, it's like, so w when uh, we were, we started putting on shows, me and a, a friend of mine at his house. So we would have like Los Crudos played there. Uh, we had Destroy played there. Um, got a couple other bands, but, you know, kind of, kind of fit into that realm of what was going on at that time with like, what, quote unquote, crust punk. Right. Mm -hmm. And these kids are nowhere to be found. Oh, wow. Of course. We all know. We, we know these kids, right? They're, and, and uh, you know, it came to a point in my life where I was like, you know, it's time to fucking call a poser a poser, and it's time for the fucking backlash. This pisses me off. This is really a bummer to me to see how things, what is happening now. There's no love. You're, you're, you're trying to live a lifestyle when you're a, a trustful kid. On yeah. the streets, I saw kids rubbing dirt on their faces, <laughs> sitting on the corner, rubbing dirt on their arms and faces. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. That's what this, that's what Who Writes Your Rules is about. It's about that time in my life where I used to see these kids at work where they would call me a house punk. Oh, boy. What? You know? Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm like, are you kidding me? And the people asked me for money. I went and bought dog food for their dog. And the kid got pissed at me, and I almost got in a fight with him. 
And I'm like, okay, I, I, I'm done with all of you. You know, they, they had spray painted this face that said, it, it was like this happy face, but it had a big dick nose on it and, it, and, a, and, a, and a word bubble that said oi coming off the top of it. And they painted it, they spray painted it right under the window where I worked at the bagel shop where I was, where I was back there baking. Hmm. And so this is kind of like the, where are they now? Nowhere to be found. Exactly. Yeah. Oh no, they're all they're all skinheads now. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> they're the uh, um, no, I'm, I'm uh, joking. But uh, you know, it, it's uh, that that's where it was, and it pissed me off, and I didn't I, I didn't like that, you know, and and it was a uh, it it wasn't the fact that they that it was a problem with me that they had. I had a problem with them first, sure. and I didn't like it, you know, and. And so that's that's basically where Who Writes Your Rules comes out of. Excellent. Let's listen Pretty to simple. it. Yeah, that's excellent. Let's listen to it. So this is the first one from Lower Class Brats tonight. This is uh, the classic Who Writes Your Rules. Yeah. 
All right, lower class brats there with their classic first single, Who Writes Your Rules. But you and... don't miss that smell either, do you? <laughs> the smell was always what got me. My sense of smell is much diminished now. Because of COVID, yeah, you got COVID. Because of COVID, that, yeah, right? I don't smell like I don't smell like strong like strong smells anymore. But man, the yeah, the stench used to get to me. I always thought good hygiene, you know. Clearly, this is next to godliness, right, Neil? Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Right. It's interesting because it is. Well, in oh, geez, when did I leave Manchester? Eighty three, eighty four. But one of the last gigs I went to in Manchester, I saw conflict at a small club. And uh, it wasn't those kind of kids. It was all the kids outside sniffing glue. And it was the smell of the fucking glue. They were just lined up outside sniffing glue. It was fucking crazy. Never seen anything like that before or since, actually. Hope I don't see that again. Right. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's see, I could, I could kind of put that together with the same thing that happened in the 90s with crust punk. Yeah. Right. So you had the kids in the early 80s that still thought that they were cool 70s sniffing glue punks right in 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 their in their fuck mohair jumpers and bondage pants yep and spiky red hair yep and you know like this isn't 1977 this is 1983 and so you you know it's the same thing with the crust kids that were happening then they're thinking that it's like this isn't the way you do it this isn't the way that it was done i don't know what pictures and magazines you looked at but you bought the wrong magazine my friend (laughs) you know (laughs) <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, when you played when you played in Chicago at that street punk festival the other day, there's probably still people who were dressed like it was 1977, right? <laughs> the, the I, oh yeah, yeah. I think all those like guys, cos- all those guys. I, actually, like cosplay. That, where was that? Where was that band from? I forgot. Oh, Georgia, right? Atlanta, the uh, Rotten Stitches. Yeah, they had some. They had some mighty fine mohawks. Those guys. Yeah, they were good. Yeah, it's, it, well, you know, for me, it's not really the way you dress. It's more of an attitude. And I, 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 you know, I've come to figure that out in the past 30 years after after writing that song. A lot of that in that song is pretty juvenile. It's talking, it's pointing fingers at, at, at things that are the way you dress in your hair, you know, and which is, eh, well, you were a, You were a kid, there's too, There's a though. lot more to it than that. Yeah, for sure. I was twenty. Uh, yeah, I was twenty-five years old when I wrote that song. I was a child, so I was I was writing sophomoric lyrics, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so, well, that being but said, either way, that, that that being said, though, I have to say the band. Uh, I mean, what now? You're going on what is uh, almost thirty years, right? Um, you know, you've stayed true to your roots for sure. I mean, you're still doing a lot of the you know the same kind of look and the same kind of stuff, and you know, props for that, man. That's great. Well, thanks. I you know it's uh. It's having. I, I feel having the consistency within the band is is important. We, you know, bits of change and uh, you know here and there because that that's evolution. That's life. And you know, people are going to change. Music is obviously going to grow as you you become better musicians in your craft. Um, but keeping that element there of what got you started and what puts you where you were are is extremely important. I think. You know, uh, I, I know that a lot of people gravitated towards the band because of, you know, the clockwork thing or, you know, uh, a punk band that plays music for skinheads, you know, mm-hmm. is basically what how we were labeled when we first started, you know. And, uh, you know, we were two punks and two skinheads and, and we it was, you know, so keeping that element there, I'm not pushing away a, a crowd. These are the crowd that got me got this band to where we like being, you know, and I still want to entertain these people. For I sure. still want to entertain the, the, 
the oi kids and the skinheads and the the 77 punk kids and the rock and roll kids you know um and still bring those elements out you know there's uh I think it's really important, you know, to keep all of this there and still change throughout, you know, it's like, we're not wearing studded leather jackets anymore or anything like that. You know, we've grown, we're grown men now, Yeah. you know, and styles change a little bit and everything, but it's still, we're the same band, you know, we play the same music and we have the same message. The message has never changed, you know, and I think that's really important to keep that consistency in a band you know. So, talking of consistency, so uh, you're obviously from the original band. Isn't one of the guitarists from the original band too? Yeah, Marty. Uh, Marty Volume. He is, uh, yeah, the the one guy in the band with hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was on the left, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, were you telling me he was really sick that he, night? No, no, that was, uh, that was Fred. Okay. Uh, Zed. So, Zed is, uh, he is the other guitar player. I don't like to say second guitar player. Um, he's the other guitar player. Uh, and he is newer in the band. Uh, I think about seven years now. Um, and, uh, six years, maybe I don't seven. Yeah, I think seven. And, um, no, he was, he was deathly ill that night and he made it through like a fucking trooper, man. He was, he was on it. He, he, uh, we got off the plane and he wasn't feeling well and, you know, he's throwing up and, you know, he had caught some 24 hour bug. And we told him at the hotel that you do not have to come to this show. You don't have to play. We can do this as a four piece. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And he stayed back at the hotel. He's like, I'll let you guys know. And about, you know, 20 minutes before we went on, here comes Fred walking in with his gear and, got up there he played and i swear i have never seen someone leave a venue as quick as fred left like a car waiting outside for him type of thing <laughs> like, and like elvis off stage went <laughs> just unplugged his guitar and walked right out the back door fuck yeah guitar still strung over him just walks out and gets into a car. <laughs> did, um, did you guys, did yeah, you guys you, come you know, to chicago so like, just did you guys just play the one show yeah yeah we just played that one night okay okay yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a tour. It was just a fly out just to come and do that show. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I, yeah, I just, I'm surprised I you didn't do time. like two. I'm surprised you didn't, you know, try to make a weekend out of it, you know, hit Milwaukee or hit Detroit or something. But right. I yeah, don't know your I business. Mean, it, Whatever works for you. <laughs> a little fly outs, little fly outs here and there don't hurt. They're fun. You know, just yeah. go out, do you know, two days in, in the city. You know, we got in the night before and we went to some it's like this pinball bar that serve food i can't remember what it's called but it's like full of pinball and video games and they're all free um logan arcade uh, probably logan arcade does that make sense that sound right possibly okay maybe i'm not really sure what it was called good food played Mm -hmm. some played some pinball a couple video games and then went back to hotel relaxed went record shopping the next day and uh yeah all right we gotta know then where'd you go record shop Oh man, what were these places called? I can't even remember the name. The, okay. the names there's, of these places. There's a lot I, of great, I, I lot, of great pick up. lot of great record shops in Chicago, obviously. Yeah, but they were all so far away from the hotel. Yeah, and uh, no, I picked up some good records. I grabbed the Seditionaries seven inch, which I was <laughs> really stoked about. I 
threw down more money than I really wanted to pay for it. But you know, walked out with walked out with some good stuff. You know, so that's that's cool. There used to be a there, in the back in the day there was a record store right at Reggie's. The second yeah. floor was a record store. That's, that's right. Been gone for a few. Years. Yeah, I I bought what did I buy up there? Best of Status Quo LP. There you go. I bought a <laughs> Surf Punks. Uh, the surf punks uh my beach lp like a promo oh, yeah. copy of it with the promo insert i've got like i collect all the surf punk stuff i've I got love the surf punks man got. yep love the surf punks oh, yeah great it's great i just ended up uh not well a few years back i ended up donating my uh, my old 1980s black surf punks t-shirt to a skateboard museum here in san diego hmm. so they were all they were really stoked to have that they got it framed up in this little hallway the surf mm. punk's record t-shirt dennis dragon yeah. just died last year didn't he or something don't I remember that he did yeah he did yes those guys those guys were amazing studio musicians man and 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 funny funny people you know they did some really cool stuff um so dennis dragon right was it dennis dragon who was uh um brothers with was it brother his brother captain captain, captain and Sunil, yeah from right? captain and Sunil, that's correct yeah. yeah yeah is that right yeah <laughs> yeah so i and i think that 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 dennis might have actually played on some of that stuff with them huh you know help them like he's a studio guy yeah yeah yeah. you know that whole band are all studio musicians they're not real guys you know they're just studio dudes it was like they're like the pet shop boys you know <laughs> it's not they're, they're just studio people that just decide to make records you know and be goofy but i have a feeling that he that he might have helped play on some of that stuff back in the 70s you know either way yeah for sure yeah so uh tell us who else is uh, who else is in the band these days and uh, how long have they been well i was gonna say just for our own benefit did the is everybody in san diego or in that area or some still back in texas did the band move back with you how'd that work oh yeah 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 it's a good question (laughs) okay so um so what happened was, while we were in Texas, uh, it was me and Marty and Ron Conflict on bass. So we and uh, Punt Eric Powers on drums. Um, people started moving away, you know, getting the itch. Ron moved back to uh, to Orange County, not Orange County. I'm sorry, um, back to California, um, and uh, and Marty ended up moving to uh san diego so marty had fallen in love with a friend of mine that i grew up with uh during high school in the punk scene and he fell in love with her and ended up moving to san diego and moving in with her so i'm back in austin with me and eric the guy who is playing drums for us in time he is actually the guy who plays is the drummer on the new album and he's on the new single like that 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 we'll hear later on today um, he's the drummer on that, but it got to a point where I was ready to move. I'm like, I, man, Marty's back in San Diego. Ron's up in LA. I need to get back to, I need to get home. So I took off and I moved back to San Diego. Now, Eric was the one that was left in Austin. We wanted Eric to move to either Los Angeles or San Diego. And he ended up moving way up North in Northern California. Um, so, it made things a little difficult for practice, things like that. We ended up getting another drummer. Now, uh, we brought Zed into the band when we got back here to California. 
on uh, playing um, guitar. And then we got, we were still practicing with Eric, with Punt. And he was flying out and we were doing rehearsals. And then he backed out, said he could, he wasn't able to do it, which was totally fine. We're still great friends. We, you know, we, we were just talking to him the past couple of days. Mm-hmm. And we brought in um, another drummer. So Ron had uh, had the drummer from Final Conflict come in and uh, we started practicing with him. His name is Nick. He goes by Nick Bratt in the band. Okay. And he is one of the top drummers in Los Angeles. So punk drummers. Mm-hmm. He plays for multiple bands. Um, Final Conflict being one of them, which is Ron's other band that Ron sings for. Did, did he sure play like on that on that like classic Ashes to Ashes album, like that era, or was he later? Um, Nick, the drummer. Yeah. Or Ron. The dr- the drummer. You were talking about say he plays for. No, no, no. He he did not. No. He was later That's on. Ron's okay. On that. yeah. That's okay. Ron singing on Ashes to Ashes. Oh really? Okay. Um, so, but, okay. Okay. Yeah. Ron is the original vocalist that everyone knows of from Final Conflict. Now, Final Conflict got another singer later on and recorded, has recordings out with a different singer, but Ron is now back in the band. Hmm. So the classic vocalist for Final Conflict that everybody knows is Ron. It's funny. I only know that one. I only know that one album. I don't know any, I don't know any of their stuff. Hmm. That one album is kind of a classic. It's been repressed a bunch of times. Uh, what, Ashes to Ashes? Yeah. Yeah, I've got like five copies on LP on all different labels. Test yeah, pressing. Say, <laughs> I'm a nerd. I was, I, when I was a kid growing up here in San Diego, Final Conflict was one of my absolute favorite bands. And I would go and see them every possible time I could. And, uh, and it's, it's awesome being able to work with Ron now, you know? And I had no idea. He booked us a tour and I had no idea who he was. He's just Ron Martinez. He books tours for Crawl Space. I had no idea who he was. And I remember asking him one time, like, hey, man, you're not the same Ron Martinez from Final. And I don't even think I finished my sentence. He goes, yep, that's me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, dude. I'm like, you're such an asshole. I worshipped you when I was a kid. No, I'm just kidding. Ron's, Ron's one of my best friends, man. And the guy's gold. The guy's gold. And I, I'm really happy that I get to work with him now. He's he's one of the coolest people, so creative, and has so many great ideas. And he is one of the hardest workers in getting things done. You know, you need that you, you need that pillar when you're doing, you know, when you're making a band or any kind of project. You need someone like that. And Ron is that pillar, you know, <laughs> which is good because I need it. My brain will run all over the place. I'll get stuff done eventually. It'll be fine. But... It might take me a little bit longer without him around. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, gotcha. All right, let's yeah. stick in. Let's stick another song in, Neil. All right. Um, what song? Uh, let's see, because New Seditionary is off the third album. Do we have any any other ones off the first album? Do you want to do like background music or something? Maybe. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. All right. I want to tell us what this one's about a little bit before we play it. Yeah. So. Uh... Well, background music was uh, 
you know, like when we, when, when we were first starting out, there was a lot of, uh, um, you know, when I was telling you, you know, it's like, we were kind of labeled as, as, uh, uh, a punk band that played music for skinheads. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, you know, why not ride that out and, and do a unity song, you, you know, um, it's, it's pretty, pretty typical for that genre skins and punks type thing, you know? Yep. Um, but it, uh, it had a lot to do with, you know, there, the, the punks and the skins weren't fighting each other a lot in Austin. It didn't really happen, but the few times it did happen were, were pretty sad because it was a small, really tight scene. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, and writing this song was, was a bit of, of a reminder, you know, it's like we were the only band. There were no oi bands in Texas when we were playing. They didn't exist. We were it. So, you know, in, you know, when they're coming, people are coming to see us play these, you know, these, you know, uh, UK 82 punk rockers and these skinheads was uh, just a little reminder about, hey, you know, what we got here is special. And, you know, let's not fuck this up. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, it's it's a basically you know fight the real enemy type of thing right yep. right yeah perfect yeah uh, all right that, that's basically what it is there's not too much to it okay all right let's listen to uh, background music from lower class brats.
All right, that was background music. Why is it, why is it called background music? Why isn't it called Skins and Punks? Well, um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, so there was a band here in San Diego um, called The Insolence, and they were back in the mid-'80s. Uh, they put out a, an LP called Spit in the Mirror, and it was on Mystic Records. Um, ah, the dreaded and, Mystic Records release. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. And it, it's a great album. They're a great hardcore band. And they had the song called Background Music. And I always liked the title of that song because it, it uh, you know, it really, it, it meant something. You know, we're not playing, you know, the, the thing in the, you know, the whole premise of their song was about the same. We're not here playing background music for you guys. Come enjoy the band. You know, in San Diego, it was like, you know, you know, when you go to a punk show in the early 80s, you don't watch the band. If you watch the band, you're going to get hit in the back of the fucking head. <laughs> yeah, I know what you but mean. Hey, yeah. You turn your back to the band. It's 1984. You don't stare at the band unless you're up against a wall or in the back. If you're standing up against front of stage, your back is to the band 90% of the time, you know? And this is something that was, uh, and it was so violent. San Diego was such, such a violent scene. It was terrible. And uh, um, so I, that, that memory always stuck in my head. And when I, when we wrote the song, I included that line in there and uh it was kind of like a thing with the rest of the band too. Like, no, call it background music. It's a good title. I'm like, wow, you know, I kind of ripped that off from this band called the insolence, you know? <laughs> and you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm like, you know, you're right. It doesn't matter. It's just an homage. Yeah. For sure. You know? So, yeah. Well, and you're honest about it. That's the important thing, right? You're not trying to hide it. You're not being sneaky. No, 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 not at all. Now, talking of San Diego, weren't you telling me the other day when we when we had a brief chat that uh, you started off like in the mod scene or something, or in the ska scene or something, listening to the, a lot of two tone? So yeah, when I was a kid uh, back in the in the seventies, was uh, you know I'm a Kiss kid. I was one of those kids in the seventies. I had all the Kiss posters and all the dolls and lunchbox and sleep bag, like all the crap. I, I was the perfect age for them to market to. Yeah, yeah. I liked two bands, two bands, and it was Kiss and it was ACDC, and that was it. And uh, I remember. Well, actually, I remember my mom giving me ten dollars and sending tell me and my older brother that we could go to the record store, and I was going to go buy a record. I had ten dollars. And she told me I couldn't buy Kiss. And I came home with Out of the Blue by ELO. Oh, boy. And, and I love that. I yeah. still own the same album. I huh. have it here. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I absolutely, I fell in love with that album right away. But either way, um, around 1980, uh, a friend of mine, I was over at his house, and we were in his brother's room. I had just posted about this, too, a couple of days ago. Hmm. Uh, on Instagram. But uh, so I'll tell you the story. So we're sitting there watching TV. It's late at night. His sister comes home and his sister walks in the house. It's like, I don't know, one in the morning, midnight. And we're in sixth grade. And we asked her where she went. She said she went to a concert. We asked her what she went to go see. And she said, I went to go see a band called Black Flag. Oh. And we're like, huh. Okay, what's that? And she's like, oh, well, it's punk rock. 
And I don't know, fuck it. I didn't know crap about punk rock in 1980. You know, I'd heard of it. I'd seen pictures in magazines, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, she goes, well, Alan has a copy of the record up in his room, which was Chris's brother. So we go up there and we start, we pull off the record and we listen to Jealous again. And I just blew me away. Yeah. I was fucking floored. I'm like, oh my God, my life is, is changing. It changed everything about my life. Out of all those records we started pulling out in his room, you know, we're pulling out Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and we're pulling out the Romantics and pulled out the Dance Craze LP. Mm -hmm. And then we pulled out the first Specials LP. And more than anything, more than Black Flag or any of the other music that, that we kind of heard that night that we listened to, the specials are what got me. Hmm. And the specials, something changed. And, and you know, it's like, all right, punk. And th is this punk too? I guess it's kind of punk. I'm different now. At least I'm new wave. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know what I am. Yeah, you, don't, yeah. you don't give a fuck. You're in sixth grade. You're discovering all this new music and new stuff. It can all be, you know, 100% the special can be put under the umbrella of punk. Oh yeah, for and you sure. still went home and loved your Kiss records too. So it was like everything, right? Well, 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 we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> I think um, the Kiss records got put to the side. I'm believe I'm there hearing. You threw them away. You disavowed Gene Simmons. Oh yeah, I got I got, I got rid of all those Kiss records. Man, they were frisbees. I broke them I'm a, because it's that rite of passage, right? Yeah, hundred percent. You got to have that rite of passage. I'm cleansing myself of of fucking Paul Stanley, right? Yeah. And then you I'm went back and bought them all again. <laughs> When you were 30, you're like, I really like that. I'm going to go back and buy them again. Dude, it's, it's, it's like you're standing here looking at my records right now. I'm like, yeah, I did. Okay. That's funny. I have no, them all I'm, again. I, dude, I grew I up in the golden era. I'm just a little younger than you. I grew up in the golden era of like hair metal. That was my first musical love, man. Like the early Def Leppard right. albums, Doc, and all that stuff. I loved it. But then when I got into punk, I'm like, that stuff is so uncool. I, I just disavowed it. But now I'll, I'll allow myself to enjoy it a little bit. You know, the good, the best of it, it, it at least. I think it. I think it's it's a it's a badge thing that you wear as a kid because you're starting to change into something else now, and you're starting to to uh, grow into a different person. I'm gonna. I I now I have the ability to be something that my parents are that some of my friends aren't i have the ability to be different now right so you get rid of you cleanse yourself of all that crap and you get rid of it in the back of your head you still love it <laughs> because you know kiss were my beatles yeah yeah you know they were my beatles man they made me fall in love with rock and roll they really did and you know all you, you know the the comic book fucking crap and the makeup and the fire and all that shit that didn't hurt either you know, of course, you know, you're a kid, you know, that's wow. What a show. Yeah, it had an element but, of cool. That was honestly, cause you listen to the music, it's pretty mundane, but the whole thing together bad. was amazing. But I could see. Yeah. Yeah. The, the package, everything was, was made them the greatest fucking rock and roll band of the seventies. But, but then the I can see rock and roll band. I can see though, when you go from that and then you go to the complete opposite, which would be the specials, you know, kids from the street doing a very, you know, black and white together kind of music and it's just completely the opposite of what kiss is and i could see why you would get completely turned on by that you know oh yeah it, it was it, it seemed to me that there was there was something different going on and kiss you, you know what the thing was i think we you know when i really think about it was bands like kiss scared my parents 
right? That's a big allure. Yeah. My grandmother, my aunt and uncle. Yeah. What's that? That's a big allure when you're young. The scariness. Yeah. The sort of, yeah. A hundred percent. And then when I heard Black Flag and the specials and that, that whole dance craze album, especially Bad Manners, ooh, that was rough. <laughs> you know, Bad Manners are the roughest of all those bands, right? They're the fucking big, rough, tough guys that you don't want to fight, you know? So, but these guys, when you listen to this, it's like, there's something dangerous about this too. And now it's not going to scare my parents because they don't know about it. It's frightening me a little bit and I'm intrigued mm-hmm. and I want to be a part of this. You know, ooh, this is scary. I want to go little, to a, a show. Little ting- I don't a little... know what's going to happen to me. I might get into a fight, and it's going to be fucking amazing. Because <laughs> it's, it, it's just wildness. You know, you don't know. You know, it's sort and of that, the same. Uh, got me. Let's say it's sort of the same thing as being attracted to a woman. It's you, you feel a little tingle, right? A little tingle. Oh yeah, yeah. You get that. You get that. Ah, oh, man, this this isn't right, but it is. Yes. <laughs> find out exactly. more. This isn't you right, know? but I'm going to pursue so, it anyway. Exactly. You know, and maybe I'll piss off my parents in the process. And oh God, I definitely did. I remember in yeah, so I I got really into the mod thing. And, you know, the punk thing kind of went to the side, you know, and, and the black flag thing. And uh and so I got really into the into the two tone thing and like and then I started, you know, I'd go down to the local record shop and I found oh, uh the jam, you know, and, and the first jam record I bought by mistake was the 12 inch or bitterest pill. Yeah, that's I'm good. Like, God, it's, these it's, guys are terrible. It's still a good song though. Well, I thought it was, it, it is a great song. I have the record. It is a really good song, but it's like, then I went back and, you know, listened to in the city. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sure. I'm like, yeah, Oh, yeah. This, yeah. Nah, yeah, this is good. But you know, it's like, it was the two tone thing that really got me. And I, and so I kind of did the whole mod thing and, and I decided that, you know, mods are fucking cunts. They're a bunch of fucking rich kids, and, 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 and I wasn't. And, you know, fuck these guys. Yeah, you got to buy you a Fred Perry shirt, and uh, it's 100 bucks. Can't right? afford those fancy scooters. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, man, the style is cool, though. Yeah, dude. the style is. That yeah. style is bad. It looks so awesome. Too bad they're such cunts. And, you know, <laughs> you so heard we it here got first, out of kids. it, and we just punk rockers. <laughs> You know, we just got into the punk rock thing and it was just like, fuck this, you know, I'm just going to get into punk rock. I shaved my head and bought some engineering boots and ripped holes in the knees of my fucking Levi's, you know, and drew black flag on my shirt, you know. So by 83, I'm gone. I'm not now I'm going to do a fanzine, you know, mm-hmm. now I want to like, go go get punk stuff, you know. And, you know, it's just being a kid, and you, you know, trying out these different things, right, to find out who I am. You know, and we do this throughout life, you know, who knows, you know, next month, maybe I'll be into fucking rave music. I don't know, you know, but for right now, I doubt it, but, but you, you know, it's the evolution of growing and becoming someone, you know, and then getting into punk was, was, uh, was really quite an experience, you know? Yeah. Now, definitely. Did, did, definitely you, did you ever travel up to LA and go to any of those, uh, those classic famous clubs like Cuckoo's Nest or whatever? I did not. No. no. Okay. The only uh the only place I went to up there was a place called Fender's Ballroom. Oh, okay, yeah. Classic, and yeah. I went to a few yeah. shows at Fender's Ballroom. I think the it's maybe the last couple shows I saw at the Fender's Ballroom was exploited was exploited shows exploited in youth of today, which was really, really weird. That's a weird interesting exploited yeah, youth of today. Uh, <laughs> the Grim. Yep. Um, who else was on that bill? It was a, 
it was a kind of a wild bill when you think back about it. Youth of Today was a brand new band, so this had to be about like '87, maybe. Yeah, that makes sense. That they're a brand new band. I'd never heard of them. Like the next year, I was like, "Oh shit, Youth of Today!" People are buying the record, and I have straight edge friends now, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's uh, but and then I I saw I see I saw Discharge, Grave New World up there. Mm. I saw that down here too, but I think I might have went up there with. Actually, with my roommate, the guy that I live with now, me and him got into the punk scene together. The guy that's sitting out in the other room, <laughs> we we were mods together. <laughs> there you go. And then we then we were punks. He got he got a mohawk, and I was jealous. You know, in ninth grade, I'm just like, what the fuck, dude? You got a fucking mohawk. Your parents let you have that. That's so cool. I'm so jealous. Um, yeah, his big fat Joe Strummer mohawk. <laughs> oh yeah, one awesome. of those. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're in seven, you, you know, you're a little kid. Your parents aren't letting you get a fan. Well, not back then anyway, you know, nowadays people don't give a shit, but yeah, it was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty impressive just to shave the side of your head, even if it was a couple inches above your ears back then, you know? Oh, for sure. No, <laughs> so. 83, everyone had fucking long hair in the Midwest and stuff still. They were still living in the seventies, you know? So that was very, oh, yeah. very radical. Totally. You know, it was, it was, uh wasn't much different here you know it's mostly surfers and, and and jocks and things like that lots of college students down here you know the mod scene was huge massive mod scene it was bigger than the punk scene down here is it, it still crazy is it still or, or is, has, has that died away pretty much oh that's that's died away that's okay. all gone now yeah uh, but there's still a few mods around like we had uh, at the bar I work at, uh, I work at a place called Tower Bar here in San Diego, and we just had uh, the chords come through. Oh, fantastic, you know? man. My favorite fucking mod, uh, mod band. The chords are fantastic. It was it was great. They were so good. And uh, and it was, uh, yeah, it was packed. Hmm. Scooters outside, lots of headlamps and, and yeah. hood ornaments and lights, you know. Yeah, the mirrors and stuff, cool. yeah. yeah. It was really cool. There's a lot of a lot of stuck-up fucking pricks inside the bar. <laughs> so nothing's, nothing's changed, All huh? dressed very well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. So, but from there, you moved to uh, you moved to Austin in 95. Oh, 95 or 93 or whatever? It was, uh, well, I moved there in 91. 91, okay. I'd taken off 91. The band started, in, in, uh, and then I did that band Fig Bash while yeah, I was yeah, there yeah. for about a year. Yeah. And then, uh, then Lower Class Brats started in january 95 yeah all right um we're talking about yeah let's yeah yeah, i was gonna say so some of the uh, i don't know if there was much mod punk violence uh there but i know there was in england there was a there was a ton of 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 fights back in there 79 80 those Uh, fancy dressers fight oh yeah yeah well Hmm. dude you've seen quadrophenia haven't you oh yeah they fight (laughs) i never have (laughs) they definitely fight you've never seen quadrophenia dude you have you have to see quadrophenia it's a fucking... Tommy, that was boring enough. Do I have to watch Quadrophenia too? No, Quadrophenia is a real movie. It's not just a stupid fucking mm. whatever. Quadrophenia is an excellent yeah, movie. It is. It's wow, fantastic. what a great movie that yeah. is. Yeah, and the, the, there there was a bit of of, of uh, modern punk violence, and, yeah. and, and it had to do with with heavy metal guys too. Yeah, everybody oh, fought everybody. Yeah, oh, yeah, it yeah. sounds just like England. Yeah, so I was going to say, let's play ultraviolence. Yeah. How's that? Does that sound? Does that fit? Let's do it. We'll to the mods. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, this one's for all the, all the mods out there. That'll be a good there. segue because we've got to talk about the clock reward stuff anyway. So, yeah, let's, yeah. let's do that. That'll be good. All right. So, Ultraviolence by uh, Lower Class Brats.
of the ultra violence there from lower class brats so so was it the violence in the scene that inspired you to kind of want to be linked to like the that inspired that i don't even know what i'm having a hard time asking this question even here but was it the violence you saw that kind of helped make the violence from the clockwork orange thing inspire you or were you always just into that or how's how did you decide to make that your kind of at least off and on kind of one of the focal points of your stuff well, so uh, like I like I had mentioned earlier that that uh, the Clockwork thing when when I got into punk was had always kind of been there. I saw Clockwork Orange on on uh, HBO when HBO was new about the same time around 1980 around sixth grade. HBO, what were they doing at HBO? Oh, the movie, What's the that? movie. I'm sorry, the movie. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. In my I, head, in my head, I heard I saw the addicts. I don't know. I'm having brain damage because that's the only oh. other band. Because obviously they they were early on with that influence. You too, haven't it's... seen that movie? It's just as good as Quadrophenia. I'll tell you. Um, no, I'm just I'm joking. No, no, um, no. I've seen. Matter of fact, when DVDs first came out, and they were still like really expensive. Like one of the my first five DVDs I bought was Clockwork Orange. Oh, it's great. Yeah. So I, I mean, I've seen the movie a million times. The book is yeah. is is. Just as good in a different way. Yeah, I haven't but, read know, the book, I but I've heard it's movie. even more disturbing than the film, so I should read it. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's brutal. It's really, mm. there's a lot of more really heavy stuff in, in, in the book. I mean, there's a lot more violence in the book. Mm. There's a lot more fight fight scenes, like, the you know, them beating up teachers in the streets. And, and mm. it, it's, it, yeah, there's a lot more to it, you know. Unfortunately, a lot of people I don't think can get past the nose dildo rape scene. <laughs> and that's the only thing they remember about that movie, which is unfortunate because right. it is a great, great movie. 
it is it's a great movie and and you know it's it's uh it's misfortunate that that people can't get past that at times it is disturbing i'm gonna i'm i'm i, I would be the one of the first to admit that you know i don't like that stuff but that's they the point of it you know, that's the point they don't, the point of it is to be disturbing, so it's successful. It, it is. Well, the, the, the point of it, I think, is to set a scene of what happens to this character, what he has been through, what he was like, what happened, and what he is like now. And sure. so without telling that part of all the terrible, terrible, horrific things that this person did, you wouldn't be able to tell the second part of the movie. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be able to tell that second part of the story because it wouldn't have as much impact on you. You don't know how rotten this person was before. Sure, you know they have they they have to put that out there, and you know it's it's uh and it's misfortunate and it's a terrible thing. You know I do not I obviously do not condone anything like that. You know, sure. and I, I would never. But <clears throat> when I see the point of the movie and the book being is freedom of thought and freedom of choice whether you're going to make a good decision or a bad decision it's your choice to make that decision and now the repercussions that would happen after that are not your choice you if you're punished you're punished right but you should have the choice to do it and what they do in the movie in the book is they try to feed him something to brainwash him to make him the model citizen he is the perfect citizen now. And this doesn't stem too far from political parties in our recent past have tried to do. Right? I mean, so, when did they when did when, they stop when did they stop trying to do it? <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. So you see my point. And and yeah. and uh, so free thinking, being able to be yourself, because if you read the book, you know, what Stanley Kubrick did with Anthony Burgess's novel was take out the 21st chapter. There's a whole that, – that, the book goes on. The book doesn't end with him in the hospital. It goes on for him getting out, and then he tries to start another gang, right? Mm-hmm. Now he's back to normal, and he tries to start another gang, and then he starts growing up. And he decides his life isn't for him anymore. And he wants to move on. He wants to have a wife and children. And he can't do this gang stuff because it's for children. He can't he's, – he's not into this anymore. They leave that out of the movie, which is very sad because most people see the movie and they don't get the real lesson of the story. That someone will grow, give them a chance, if, and let them work out their own shit. And become a normal part of society and try, instead of trying to shove it down their throat. Now, if you're going to get incarcerated, get incarcerated. You don't brainwash people into trying to be the perfect citizen. Right? Um, hmm. I better read this so book. This whole thing of growth. What's that? I said, I better read this book. And the funny thing is, the book is actually yeah, pretty the, the book is actually pretty short, too. I was, surprising, was surprised when I read it how fast of a read it was. Hmm. It, it's, yeah, it's really quick. Yeah. It's really quick. There's a lot to it, but it's 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 actually really quick, and it, yeah, it's a dystopian, disturbing, fucked up movie. But I think one of the things that that what why it grapples onto the punk scene so much is because it's the youth culture of gangs. Mm-hmm. It's the youth culture of sticking together with your friends 
the people that don't have the families that don't like their families or their families don't like them. So they find their own family. They go out and they do a bunch of fucked up shit as teenagers do, right? Hopefully not as bad as what's in a fictional movie or the book, but they do, they fight, they, they, you know, drink, they do drugs and they steal, you know, but, uh, Oh, I just lost my train of thought. I I was on a good one there too, man. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was getting deep. Uh, it was also yeah, it, was, it was starting to get good. So why? Anyway, so go on. So why did you bring that into the band? And was that just your decision, or did the rest of the band like that stuff too? Well, the the rest of the band liked it, but uh, it was you know growing up with this and 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 okay, you know, getting back to this, this, this life of, of, of what, what kids see in, in the movie and why grabs onto the punk scene and the skinhead scene so much of, of sticking together and, and doing all this stuff. Music is a huge part of that movie. Yeah. It's influential to you. It runs your life just like any other teenager. Right. And you know, whether it's Beethoven or black flag, you know, it's 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 going to influence you into doing these in, into doing different things, and the drugs you take might enhance that. You do a violent drug and you listen to violent music, you're going to be a violent person, mm-hmm. right? So, you know. But either way, um, when you know when the band started, I noticed a lack of how much Clockwork Orange as a film was such an influence in the early punk scene and not even the punk scene. You look, go back to Bowie, Ziggy Stardust, you know, I mean, uh, Alice Cooper, you know, there's so many bands that, that, that this has influenced throughout the years that have used, you know, lyrics and, and dress and things like that, you know, to it. And um, I'm like, we need to bring this back. Where are, where's Cox bar right now? Where are they now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but as I say, where, I quoted that. I quoted that earlier, right? The kids and the the kids, the yeah, crust punk kids. Where are they now? <laughs> full circle, brother. Yeah, we're there you go. great minds. Um, and so it's like we know, just hit like, the bridge like the bri- again. It's like it's like a song. We just hit the bridge again. The big chorus <laughs> is coming up. <laughs> um, you know when uh, you know to bring this back, and I didn't see anyone doing it anymore. There's major accident nowhere. That's right. Major accident did it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, and, and major accident, you know, it's like, I know the addicts are very popular band and great friends, you know, but major accident was, was the big influence on us, you know? And, uh, and I love the guys, the addicts and there's nothing, you know, there's no two ways about it. No one invented this. No one is, is, Oh, well, we're the real clockwork band. The addicts have never said that, you know, major actions never said that it's all, you know, we, we all ripped it off from the same place, you know, well, but I can remember since they know the addicts, they go, think that, that we're aping them and we're not, you yeah. know, at all. And, and you know, it, it, it went even further than music too. I can remember, um, football in the early seventies, uh, back in England, especially I think Millwall, they had a whole section of fans who would dress that way. They would dress like the droogs in Clockwork Orange. They would dress in all white. And, really? Yeah. 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 I mean, cause Millwall were always renowned for being the, having the, it's been the worst place to fucking go. If, unless you want to get your head kicked in. Violent. But, yeah. Totally violent. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Violent club and, and all that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I can remember people dressing like that. Yeah. 
back in the day. Yeah, when skinheads would do that too. So, yeah. Scary shit, man. Yeah. You see, you see twenty of those kids walking down the street dressed like that in trench coats and Dr. Martins. Go the other way. Time to cross the street. Yeah. Yeah. yeah go walk on the other side of the street. Just get out of the fucking way. Leave them alone. <laughs> you don't want anything to do with those guys. Yeah. Yeah. That must have been, that. That must have been actually very frightening. Oh, it was. Really? You know, it was, but it makes you grow up aware of your surroundings. Where I think kids today are too fucking coddled, but that's a whole that's a that's a whole another no, topic for another conversation. Staring at, the, staring at their phones, Neil. Yeah, staring yeah. at their phones. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, all right, let's yeah. let's play another song, Neil. All right. Um, well, let's play. Uh, let's do. I'm a mess. How does that sound? Sounds good. Okay. Sounds was this was, was this written about Sid? <laughs> No, um, the song's actually, uh, the song was actually written about an ex-girlfriend of mine. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and, uh, she has since passed. Um, uh, and it's more of a song of redemption, um, song of knowing that, uh, thinking that, that, that you have everything under control when you don't and giving it up to someone else and letting them help you. Um, uh, being able to put your hand out and ask for help. You know, that's what this song's about. Okay, cool. Let's listen to this. This is I'm a Mess by Low Class Brats.
a mess there by the lower class brats. Yeah, when I first saw the title, I was like, oh, it's about the the uh, the, the badge that's that Sid used to wear on his leather jacket. Right. Oh, 100%. Yeah. That's what, that, yeah, we did sign it like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so uh, it's, go ahead, Tom. No, uh, I was going well, to say, it seems like we should probably... You, you've got a new record coming out, right? I mean, it's been announced. It's, it's uh, you got a date. We should probably talk about the new record. We don't have a date exactly yet. What's that? We should, I say we should probably talk about the new record a little bit, right? Let's, yeah, let's fucking do it. It's called uh, Tales of the Wild, the Ugly and the Damned. Um, I don't know if you guys get that reference. Ultravox. At all? Ultravox. There we go. Yeah. Uh, that, oh, yeah, I'm lost, lost yeah. on that one. Yeah, yeah. Great Thank fucking song. Thank you for that. Great song, man. Thank you for that. So, yes, it is It is a nod to Ultravox. Um, uh, yeah, so we recorded this quite a few years ago. Um, it, um, and uh, But, you know, with the pandemic, number changes, people moving uh, back up to California, all those things got uh, a little twisted and turned around. Um, and uh, But right now, the covers are being – I just got off the phone with the record label today. The covers are being shipped to the pressing plant right now. Um, all the printing is done. Uh, it should be out within the next, I'm going to, oh, man, if he gets this done, I'm going to say two months mm. in this conversation right now. Okay. Um, we, should, we should hopefully have a street date, at least by then to be able to announce the street date. Um, uh, yeah, 11 songs. Um, and pretty much in the vein of lower class brats, I think. You know, it's hard for me to tell because I think every record we write sounds completely different. And but I'm in the band, mm-hmm. you know, I'm one of the artists. So so I don't hear what other people hear. Sure. Right. Yeah. I yeah, hear something cool. different. Yeah. And so I feel that it sounds different than other things. But everybody, you know, people I talk to go, well, this record has this element of this and this element of that. But it all sounds like lower class brass. And I'm like, good. Okay, as long as it sounds like lower class breath, I'm fine with it, you know. But I think it's great. I, I'm I really enjoyed playing with Ron on this album and you know, uh and seeing what he brought to the table in writing. He's a great writer. He comes up with some with some great ideas. Uh um Eric uh, uh Punt, who helped who played drums on this, uh wrote a few of the songs and they're great. In fact there's a song on the album called Eric's Eric's song. Hmm. Um, and, uh, so it's, uh, I'm really liking it a lot. I'm, I'm really excited for people to be able to hear it. You know, we just put out the new single, um, all the young dudes are pissed. And the B side is we never sleep, which on the album is the first and the last song on the album. Okay. So we, Neil and I happen uh, to both bit. have that. We both have that in our hot little hands. So. Yeah, we do. Yep. Excellent. Nice. Good, yes. good, good. Now is the because well, the thing is you're doing you're you're the record's gonna be on TKO again, right? I'm sorry. The record's gonna be on TKO again. Yes, yes. Yeah. TKO. Uh, yeah, it'll be on TKO records. Well, so I kind of assumed that they're pressing it there in Oregon that, at Cascade. I'm just surprised that uh-huh. the the turnaround is so long. I would think that you guys that it would be kind of a having all those elements in house that you could do it pretty quick. But yeah, that, that, that's a whole nother podcast. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, did you, did you, <laughs> no, 
uh, it's, you know, there, there's certain, I understand he's busy, you know, he's, he doesn't just work for the four bands that he puts out and owning yeah. the pressing plant. He presses that he's got to make a living, you know, and yeah. press other records. Some things have to get done first so he can put food on his table so he can support his kids, there you go. pay his rent and go back to work and make our records, there you, go. you know? So, well, I'm, we're pretty I'm, we're pretty high on Mark right yeah. now. I got to tell you because he, not only was he a great guest on this podcast, also, he was. yeah, but he sent Neil and I each a couple of boxes of records. I've been just sitting in my I've been here wallowing in my poison idea and you know anti scene uh, crapulence lately, just spinning <laughs> records that Mark sent us. <laughs> so we certainly we certainly have nothing negative to say about him. No, Mark's he's, a great he's guy. A real good dude. No, yeah. he, this stuff that he puts out, man. Uh, it's incredible. I mean, and especially not of all the bands, you know, like, you know, you got your anti scene and Templars and, you yeah. know, of course, LCP, uh, you know, um, we all, and poison idea, we all have our own imprint labels with TKO. Right. Okay. So I know American know, leather, um, of course. Yeah. Right. Right. So you got, you got American leather with, with, with poison idea. I'm not sure what anti scenes is. Ours is orphan records group. The Templars have uh, it's what's it Catacomb Records. I yep, can't remember yep, the yep. name of that. Sounds it. right. Yep. Um, and uh, you know, so so they're all the imprint labels that he does. But this album for lower class brats is an official TKO release. Huh. Um, it will be you know a split release with Orphan Records Group. We do have our label imprint on there, but it is a TKO release. Hmm. Um, and and some of that stuff, especially especially what he's doing with the Poison Idea releases, is phenomenal. Dude, I, I was just gonna say, I, I mean, I, I hate to kiss the guy's ass any more than I already have, but the fact of the matter is, the stuff he's doing with those Poison Idea albums is on par with, because I've been singing the praises of Trust doing those represses of Seven Seconds mm-hmm. and Aggression Circle and Circle, Circle Jerks, because yeah. they do such a great job. Yeah. Honestly, those Poison Idea records are, are of that caliber. That's how good they are. So they're just, I mean, they're... They, they might even be better. Yeah, maybe. Jeez. I mean, it's some of the stuff that he's pulling out of his butt right now to put these records. I mean, because he sends me all the stuff. And the, the, the fact that he took record collectors are pretentious assholes. Right? Did he send you a copy of that? I do not have that one. You know, I have all I have all that stuff on CD, but now I'm sort of becoming obsessed with getting it all on vinyl again. So I, I've got about half of them on vinyl, but I don't so have that the one. Cover, the cover of Record Collectors are Pretentious Assholes has all those albums. All those singles. Floor, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. They're all Pick Champion. It's Pick Champion's Record Collection. It's spread out yeah. on the floor and up against the wall. There is a poster inside of it that has that whole thing drawn out in squares of where every record would go with a number on it and tells you exactly what record impressed you. Ah, I gotta get that. <laughs> crazy. Dude, it is crazy what he's doing. I was just, I, I blew my mind. I sat here with that, you, you know, it's like I got, I got the original copy of Record Collectors. I got, a, I got another Tang pressing of it. And then he sends me that one and I went, oh no. And I sat here on my bed for an hour Going, I got that one. I got that one. <laughs> I got that. Ooh, well, I and, and I want that one. one. If I, I want list on Discog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It's, it's funny because you, you mentioned Tang, and once again, I have a ton of albums on Tang Records, a ton. 
And they still sporadically repress stuff. You know, they just repress the Antiheroes record and stuff like that. But it's a tale of two of two two labels because the TKO things he's putting such care into these new releases. The Tang stuff was just the crappiest, <laughs> like bare bones <laughs> represses. Like I have a a Poison yeah. Idea CD that has literally like four of their records just on one CD. <laughs> just just yeah. literally no quality control at all. Just crank them out, you know. And once again, I don't even really what, want. What, what's really the cover going to look like? What's that? Sorry, say again. I say, well, yeah, yeah, and you go, you go. I can imagine them sitting there and go, "Hey, what's the cover going to look like?" And he goes, "Blue." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. it's like what? Well, like yeah, I said, blue. I, I don't care. I actually, blue. Just put the name I, of the band on it. Yeah. I hate to cast shade on Tang because I really do. I mean, I could name ten of their albums that are like top hundred for me. I just, I love the label, man. But I love the stuff they put out. But of yeah, course. it's just. But yeah, it's just it's. Some people are definitely trying yeah. harder than others. Because, you know, like SST, yeah. too. Like, if SST SST is sitting on $20 million worth of reissues, if they would just pull their heads out, you know? But True. Very true. My, I not, think a lot of those fans, though, rights. are trying to get that back from them. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, yeah. So, you, you know, like Saccharin Trust and yeah. and bands like that. that so I think Saccharin Trust actually got their stuff back from SST. I see I their first they, record. They, they succeeded in getting it. I think their stains record, stains yeah. have been trying for ages. I think. Okay, the first the first Sacred Trust record is widely available as a bootleg, and you always sometimes. Oh yeah, wonder, yeah. I have the bootleg. I got I got both copies. I got a bootleg and I got an original that okay. I never play. I always wonder those some of those bootlegs. I bought a bootleg from TSOL one time. I literally <laughs> bought an Italian bootleg from them at a show at reggie's in chicago as a matter of fact because yeah some italian they they didn't have rights to it and the band was actually selling bootleg records like <laughs> italian bootlegs of their own record so hey, you gotta do what you gotta do awesome. right <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do listen i jack was standing behind the table i felt okay about the transaction <laughs> anyway yeah. hey. well let's see we lost track i don't remember what we're talking about yeah no, with the new, the new album. record the, the new, new album yeah we're talking so... about the new yeah. Yeah. Me, me, me. We're talking about me. Exactly. We're talking about you. <laughs> so we're hoping for we're hoping, my record. My record. We're ho- we're hoping for it to come out in May. It sounds like then, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm really hoping so, if not sooner. So I'm, uh, I'm shocked that it's been so. The last studio record was full length was 2006. It was. Yeah. I'm shocked by this. So after after New Seditionaries, we did put out a live album. Uh, we put out a live DVD, and then we put out a 12-inch album in 2012, uh, six-song 12-inch called uh, "Rock and Roll Street Noise." Mm, okay, um, so it's not like you've been totally silent. It's just haven't been put out a proper no. studio LP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we've been we've been hitting it here and there, but uh, mostly live shows. We, we, you know, we never stopped playing. You know, we're, mm-hmm. uh, sure. Um, but uh, what we were cranking, yeah, we put out a seven inch called "Thoughts About You" in France on Combat Rock. Um, we might have done one other thing, maybe not. I don't know. I remember. Uh, but, I remember when New Seditionaries came out because I still had satellite radio and they played the title track quite a bit on. Wait, they still had a punk channel at that point, I think. But anyway, I remember when that came out. That's can't believe it was seventeen years ago. 
Yeah, me either, man. Fucking, I didn't have any gray hair on my chest back then. <laughs> Damn, 2006, sound, 2006 sounds like it was just last year or something. Fuck, 17 years ago? Holy shit. It does, and people talk about the 90s, and you're like, yeah, it was like fucking 20 years ago, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 30, well, 30 years ago. I, once, once you get to be our age, any, I always say anytime after t- the year 2000, I can refer to as a couple of years ago, and it's acceptable. <laughs> yeah, it's so true, it's man. <laughs> totally true. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, 11 songs. Yeah, so Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, 11 songs. Um, I like them all. I think they're all really good. And, and uh, you know, it, it delves everywhere for straight street punk, oi to uh rock and roll little glam you know um everything kind of mixed in there you know a lot of our uh uh influences are kind of worn on our sleeve and in in the songs you'll be able to hear little bits of you know things that that uh that have influenced the band throughout the years definitely especially in in uh in newer times right now you know so let, let me let you mentioned the glam thing. So let me ask you about that a second, because obviously there's been a couple mm-hmm. of uh, at least a couple of of glam uh, mentions in your songs. You know the glam bastard single, and then all oh, the new one, all the young dudes are pissed, which we'll hear I in, in a bit. Hoopoe, right? um, yeah. Um, so we call I, that glam bastard part two. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> um, so I mean, do you do you have a love for the for those for those uh, England glam years from the in the early seventies, or are you kind of making fun of it? Oh no, a hundred percent. No, no. I, I it, you know, for me, it, um, you know, it, it, it beckons to a time where this is, it's where punk came from, Yep. you know, that's the, the roots of punk are glam rock, you know, and, and, uh, and, and rock and roll, you know, and because the roots, the roots of glam are fifties rock and roll for the most part, you know? And then you get, of course you got your, your other bands, uh, you, you know, your Bowie's and Roxy music and bands like that. It's a different type of glam rock, but for the most part, it was heavy beat rock and roll and taking things back to basics. Um, while, while in other countries, like say in America for mostly in America, there were glam bands here too. You know, I mean, you got your Susie Quattro and Alice Cooper and bands like that, but, uh, it's, um, you know, it was taken back the same way that punk took everything back. You know, when there was a time of, of crap music happening, you know, uh, uh, bands like Emerson, Lake and Palmer and yes. And, yep. and, you know, Toto and shit like that. Then you, you, you look down the street and you have mud and hello, right. <laughs> Who are bringing it back. And and you're like, what the, f-? you know, so it's like, oh, well, it's one or the other. And you go for the fucking glam because that's real yeah. rock and roll. And then, you know, and then it, it evolves into, you know, the late 70s. Glam rock's dead, you know, and the glam rockers are becoming punks. Yep. Or the next generation is are becoming punk rockers, and and it's 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 the the evolution of it. And then you know, punk is rebelling against disco by this point. You know, so it, I no, it is a very very heavy serious type of music for me. I love it to death. I'm not making fun of it at all. Okay. Um, yeah. There's there's no no not not at all. They, all those bands are very influential to. I, I have a massive glam rock collection. Yeah, I could you I know? could I, I could I, put I could put Dynamite by Mud on like any punk compilation very easily. I love I love oh I love God. some I of those I, mud I, tracks. I think I have I think I have that seven inch right here too. There you go. <laughs> yeah. 
So they never made it yeah. over here. I know, I'm not familiar with them at all. They never, never had, never made it in the states. Huh? Yeah, they were very much in the in the sweet vein. Um, I was gonna say because Sweet and Slade obviously yeah. had some yeah. like hits over here. Yeah, Mud were fantastic though. Sweet, I mean, the, the, the Sweet definitely. I think the Sweet were the were the first of the English glam, like really glam rock, quote unquote, bands to make it in the United States and have stuff on the radio. You know, Fox on the Run. Great song. Like, what a song that, that is, huh? That was a huge hit on the radio when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, and I loved it. I thought it was so cool. I'm like, Fox on the Run, this is great. Ballroom Blitz. Wow, what a cool song when you're fucking seven. Yeah. You know, yeah. six. It's, it's cool, you know? But you never hear it. And I go, no, fuck it. I want to go listen to Kiss, you know? <laughs> so, and, you know, Kiss being, Kiss being all that, never called themselves a glam rock band. But, you know, it walks like a duck and talks like a fucking duck. It's a duck, you know? Sure. Kiss or a glam band. They, 100%. There's no two two ways about it, you know? Um, and, and uh, yeah, I was uh, reading this book that I have about Kiss, and they were talking about glam rock. And they're like, we were never a glam band. We liked all those bands, but we were never that way. We are never one of those bands. And they talk about uh, when they played with Slade. And that Naughty stood on the side of the stage and watched them the whole time. And they, they became friends with the guys in the band. Uh, and right after the tour, Slade puts out Alive, mm -hmm. right? They put out Slade Alive with that John Sebastian cover on it. Oh, my God, Darling, Be Home Soon. Oh, wow, man, that song's a price of admission alone on that album. So good. But Kiss... Saying they're never glamming. No, we're not really influenced by it. We just do our own thing. What do they go and do? They name their biggest selling album Kiss Alive. Kiss Alive, yeah. <laughs> and Which is not even barely directly, a live album anyway. It's pretty much a fake live album, but yeah. It, 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 it's definitely a fake live album, yeah. But they, but it's the influence that it had over them, you know? And, yeah. and they, you know, Gene Simmons talks about in the book. He's like, we literally stole it from Slade. Hmm. We named our album after that because of Slate Alive. We called it Kiss Alive. Hmm. And it's like, wow, this, you know, it's really, it's cool, you know, I like that. So, so yeah, I, no, we're all, everyone in the band are like huge glam rock fans. And, that, and it's not, awesome. there's no putting our nose up to it or anything like that. Some of it's fun, you know, Glam Bastard, you know, is, you know, it's just, it's just fun, you know. But if you listen to lyrics, it's like, uh, if you know those songs, you know that I'm listening. To yeah, those I know. I, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was going to say that because you, yeah, you're pulling out Susie Quattro lyrics and stuff like that. Yeah, I figured oh, that. Yeah, yeah. I figured that was the case. You well, know, the, 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 the the first the first word I say on the on on all the young dudes are pissed is hello. Yes, that's right. One of the best <laughs> fucking bands. Hello, <laughs> it's 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 a nod to the band, you know. So. Um, no, we we are. It's it's not tongue in cheek. It's it's serious, and we we very much are into the, into that music. Yeah. 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 The hello thing was uh, that's a nod to Gary Glitter. There, I don't even know if we're allowed to say that anymore. But he just got out of jail, I believe, <laughs> last month. Oh, lock, yeah. lock up your Vietnamese boys. He got out of yeah. He got let out of prison, so he's he's doing his. Uh, I don't know if he's going to do any music again, but there you go. 
I oh mean, god, I hope not. He's no. another one too. Like, I mean, I know Rock and Roll Part Two, but he didn't have another big hit here. I don't think. I mean, he was massive in England. Absolutely Plus it was massive. Too far Sydney. before my time. Yeah. I mean, I can only remember as far back as like the early eighties. Yeah. I, I... Yeah, because I, I think the first time, but, but besides uh, Rock and Roll Part One or Two, like the uh, the first time that I heard a different Gary Glitter song and 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 didn't even know it was Joan Jett. Do you want to touch me? Yeah. Do you want to touch oh, me? Oh, yeah. yeah. That I just, I, I, I just went. Oh my God! This is the greatest Joan Jet video ever. I was a little kid, you know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is amazing. But, uh, you know, it's like, and then later I find out it's Gary Glitter. You know, I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. okay. Takes on an extra creepy element when you figure out his. <laughs> it, it really, really does, man. What yeah, did he get? Do you want to? Really do you want to be in my gang? Was another one of his big hits, which uh, I don't know if that made <laughs> yeah, it over yeah. here. But... <laughs> Uh, but they weren't doing a lot of ass kicking walking down the street. And his big boots? No, probably not. <laughs> I, I doubt Gary Glitter was doing much. Uh, he, he wasn't kicking asses. No. Um, yes, yes. And then <laughs> let's just leave it at that. Yeah. And then we got the Bay City Rollers. Oh, that that and that is uh, so the Bay City Rollers. Scottish, I remember right? when I was a kid yeah. watching the television show and they, they had the Bay City Well, I think it was Saturday mornings or something like that. They had an hour. It was like a variety show, right? Yeah, it was like a variety show. Yeah. 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 Wow, I missed and, that. Uh, um, that was really cool, you know, being a kid and watching that. But uh, um, the yeah, the stuff that happened to them, man. And did, did you hear about the book that came out about them, right? When the kids, one of the, not a kid, one of the men wrote about. It was a singer, right? Was it the singer who wrote, or did they all write? They might have all written. Books. I haven't read the book. Okay, yeah. I haven't read the book yet. I've just heard about it, and I heard it's horrific. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's crazy. It's like a lot of those bands back then, right? They made absolutely millions and millions, and didn't see a penny of it. Mm. <sighs> well, from what I heard about the book, and I don't know. I mean, I don't. Obviously, I don't think you guys, either of you, have read it, but. Uh, what was happening was they were, uh, you know, giving these kids everything they wanted, but they were also uh, pimping them out backstage to record executives. Hmm. Hmm. So these kids were having sex with record executives and people who would pay. And they, and the, one of the guys wrote a book about it. And I heard this book is I, I, I can't bring myself to read it. Hmm. It's just it's too much for me. I'm like, that is I don't know if I would want to know. You know, yeah, yeah. Man, it was a sleazy, sleazy shit, business back then. Heavy. Yeah, that's heavy, man. That is heavy. Scary. Well, well, I believe one of them is in prison. I believe one of the Bay City Rollers again was a uh, found out to be a pedo. I believe. Um, yeah. I guess when you grow up like that, yeah, you know that's true. If you're growing up and that's what you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me. It's terrible to think about, you know, that that happened to him or if that if that's what's happening to him now, you know. Yeah. It, it, and it's and, it's and it's funny you mentioned it. It's funny you mentioned the TV show because they actually British TV did that with a lot of bands back then. They would give uh, they would give bands like their own half hour or 45 minute like variety show at like five o'clock on a Wednesday or something like that, because they thought that would get some of the younger visitors of uh, younger viewers. And of course, Mark Boland. Had a right. had a short lived show, yeah. which is fantastic. You can find all of those on YouTube. Mark is, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah I've, I've watched Mark. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing about Mark was he actually gave a chance to all the upcoming punk bands. So Generation X are on it, The Jam are on it, um, you know, some the great Damn. stuff. Yeah, It's funny, they they were supposed to do this variety show. They probably still had to make two records a year and play 200 dates a year. You know, I mean, the, the amount of work, they probably worked these kids to the death, you know? I couldn't imagine. You, you know, in back in, especially when you got like an all boy band like that back in the early 70s you know who is your who are you modeling this after yeah true right obviously you're modeling it after the jackson five the biggest Mm. group in the world right to to do that sort of music and you then you look at uh at joe jackson what he did with those kids and back in the 70s when the bay city rollers are going and you followed joe jackson's you know, design of how to get a super group that's terrible. And they probably did the same thing, you know? Different yeah, Joe, he was a ta- just, yeah, he was a taskmaster. Different Joe di- different Joe Jackson to the uh I'm the man. Uh yeah, yeah, not the, yeah. <laughs> look, no, look no. sharp. I, I, I like that Joe Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that Joe Jackson. Brilliant. He beat in my head. Yeah. Tick, tick, tick in my head. I'm yeah. talking about Michael Jackson's father, Joe yeah. Jackson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just in case there was any confused listeners out there. <laughs> No, don't. No, go ahead. Oh no, no, Well, well, I tell you what, we should after talking about glam stuff. Let's listen to the new single. Um, All the young dudes are pissed. That makes all the sense in the world, right? So uh, sounds great. This is on TKO and uh, out now, so you should all buy it. So yeah, uh, lower class brats. All the young dudes are pissed, and uh, listen for all the uh, old glam references in this one.
class brats there with all the young dudes are pissed. The new seven inch, which will be on the new album, right? Yes, you did say that, right? Yes, sir. It's, it's the first song on the new album. There you go. That's good stuff. Now, eleven tracks. How, uh, did did you do you have more? Did you cut it down to eleven, or was was that was that was the first we eleven? We cut it down to eleven. You did, okay. Yeah, there's 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 a, there's a yeah, there's a few more songs floating around. Uh, cool. That yeah, might, haven't might, seen the light might, of day. Might find their way to some other little things. They might. They might. Uh, they might not. I don't know. You know. Um, I guess we can cross that bridge when we come to it, you know, but as of now, the, you know, the focus is on the best 11 that we could yeah. pull out of, of the, the 14 or 15 that we recorded. It might even be more. It might even be 16. I haven't listened to, uh, to the disc in a while. Um, but, you know, I, we pulled out the ones that uh, we, we want all killer, no filler, right? So. And I can I can certainly appreciate that because and it and it goes back to some of the late seventies punk bands right so albums would be eleven or twelve songs you you know you make your you make your point and you get out whereas uh, I'm not pointing the fingers at Rancid because I love Rancid but you know some of their albums are like twenty eight songs on them and it's just it's a slog to get through the fucking thing man you just can't do it I mean right you, you know the first ten songs really well and that's that's about it at least that is for me maybe I'm just old. Never flip it over. Well, I mean, it, it, I guess it all depends on on you know your preference in music. Well, you I, know? I you know you, Whether, you know you know what it might come to come down to bones. It might come down to people who grew up in the vinyl era versus people who came up in the CD era, where you could get put a lot more music on a CD or whatever. Maybe that's what it is. Don't know. Maybe, yeah, that that that, that could that could be true too. You know, maybe you just have I, a short attention span. Yeah, maybe like, that too. I have a short I, attention span. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm definitely a fan of Rancid. You know, I, I like them a lot, and and, uh, um, you know, especially the, the the first few albums are just wow. You know, but I think that some of the later stuff they've been putting out recently is, is up on par with some of the first stuff off that first Rancid album or the first single. You know, or the the Devil Tenant. You know, Let's Go, mm-hmm. um, which I don't, I don't think it's even a tenant, or I think it's just an LP now. I don't know if you get agreement about that, but I do will say that, like, Outcome the Wolves, Neil, it's got 23 songs or something. I have no problem listening to it all the way through. See, I do. I, I got I can get to about 12 or 13. I know really well. Like, I couldn't probably even tell you the, the last eight songs on that record. And it's not because they're not good. It's just because I get tired of it after a certain amount of time. I want to listen to someone else, you know? Put the clash on or something. I don't know. Sounds like a Neil problem. Well, it, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. But I'm agreeing. <laughs> I, I'm agreeing with Bones that having 11 or 12 songs on an album is the perfect length. I will agree with well, him 100 there, percent there. I believe you know the Pistols' first album had 12 songs. There you the go. Pistols' only album, and the Ramones' albums had 14 songs, but they were about a half hour. I think that that half hour is about perfect. I think it's more the time than the songs. You know, I just think that half hour is about perfect. Perfect timing. 24 minutes for me. There you go. <laughs> Six two-minute songs on each side. <laughs> well, it's like, you, you know, you go back and you start listening to that first negative approach 7-inch, and there's 10 songs on a 7-inch. It's nine minutes long. And it's long, not yeah. enough songs. It's not yeah. enough. I need more, you know? See, so, yeah, it might be I, I don't know about line. that because it's, it's, it's like 10 songs, 10 minutes, and it's – I don't know. I, I always used to think like seven inch, like a like the hardcore seven inches were always like half an album, right? Like well, you, you mean because there's so many tracks? Sing, you mean? I'm not talking about a single with like two songs. I'm talking about like, the, like that negative approach album or the there was like a half a record. It was ten songs on it, but it was like ten minutes long, nine minutes long. 
Yeah. Seven inches. Seven inches aren't the kids don't buy the seven inches. Us old timers, the only ones still buying the seven inches, as far as I can tell. See, it's so funny because I, I, again, it's so different than when I was a kid because that's all kids bought because that's all they could afford when I was when I was growing up. Well, but now they're. I mean, seven inches are expensive now. Yeah, man. singles I mean, were forty nine p when I was buying them. I was going to say because if day. you're buying a because it might cost you ten <laughs> bucks for a two song seven inch. You yeah, know? it's a bit different. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh yeah, easy. Yeah, easy. You know, ten dollars, ten dollars, two songs. Yeah, and then you spend, but then you go and buy the LP now. And the LP is thirty-three. Oh, I'm struggling with that. Five dollars for an LP. Hey, bones, 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 man! You're trying to sell this LP. Don't be, don't, don't be telling I'm people trying, this. I'm, no, I mean, <laughs> no TKO's not that high yet. They're, they're, they're. Pretty, no, no, no. We would never sell a record for that much. But, but you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Sure. Like, yeah. You can go buy. When you go buy a repressed LP, you go to a record shop. You're paying a good amount of money. Yeah. You know, now with now when you buy them from the band at a show, you're going to obviously pay less, and it's probably better, right? Uh, it's, it's better for the for the band economy. You know, yeah. not for everybody. Yeah. Maybe I should shut my mouth because I know Mark Rainey's going to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's I love you, Mark. Um, so, <laughs> if you when the record comes out. I mean, it's been it's been years since your last one. Will you? you th- I mean, you think you'd be able to hit most of the country over the course of, you know, yeah, time? Even if it. you don't do a massive tour, you're gonna be able to do you know a couple of few week runs here and there. Maybe hit the Midwest, hit the you know East Coast like that. A hundred percent, yes. So we're uh, right now we are in the process of booking Europe for October. Mm. Excellent. So we will be coming out. We're planning. What we plan on doing is short runs, you know, no longer than a week on the East Coast, Midwest, West Coast, little places here and there, and then get back home. Texas. Got to do Texas. Got to get back to Texas. Yes. And, and, uh, you know, just doing short runs, but getting in the van, driving around for us as a band is, is, it's not really feasible anymore. We don't right, really no. do that to get in yeah. and go out for a month and a half. You know, sure, I, sure. I did that for so long, and I, I, I am so happy. I, I implore the bands that can still get out there and do it. You know, I look at my friends' bands like the Casualties, and those guys are the fucking Ramones, dude. They just yeah. don't stop. They're constantly on the road, and it's like, how the hell do you do this? I, I am amazed. You know, and it's so cool that they're able to do that, but. For us, it's just not really in the cards anymore. But we we do get out and play shows. You know, we came to Chicago. We're going up to the Pacific Northwest in a couple of weeks. We're going to do a few shows up there with the Drowns and the Coffin Cats and Crazy and the Brains. Yeah, that's a great bill, um, man. That's a great bill. Drowns are great. It is. You know, the drown, Drowns are going through a Drowns are going through a real heavy glam yeah, they thing are. right now. Yep. Their their last couple of records oh, have been yeah. real real rock and rolly. Boy, that'd be a great split, wouldn't it? You know, want some of those extra tracks from the uh... yeah, the drowns and lower class brats, yeah. yeah. Wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're, 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 I, I'm just I'm just happy to play with them at this point. You know, yeah. those guys they, they are such an amazing band. They're so good. I'm, in fact, uh, I just got a, uh, a message from uh, from from Rev from the singer about uh, I do I do graphics and stuff like that, like little okay. crappy stuff but i mean i do all most of the stuff for the brats but 
he yeah he just contacted me about doing another uh tour flyer for him so i'm oh, kind of nice. stoked about that kind of see where they're gonna go and he's like make sure it looks real glam rock and i'm like dude you know i got you bro yeah. I, i've heard your i've heard your band before he's been <laughs> you know? On, uh, i know it's He's been on twice with us. He's he's a yeah. heck, of a, heck of a good dude. Yeah, he's a great he's a great dude. Going to be yeah, seeing him on Saturday, as a matter of fact. Yeah, Neil's going to see him on Saturday. I'm jealous. Oh, that's right. I just saw that he had posted something up about them heading out to Chicago this week. And what are they playing at? They're playing Reggie. Same, same, as, same as you. Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. Great, great. Yeah, yeah they're playing with Flatfoot, yeah, Flatfoot 56 and the Rum Jacks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, a couple of the, the, the brothers from Flatfoot were out at our show the other night. The Reggie's. They're not hard to pick Sorry. out of a crowd, are they? No, no, was, not at all. You just, yeah. There was some big, I, uh, there was some big dudes in that crowd with the Fair City guys. There was some big dudes in that crowd. Let me tell you. Well, the the, the brothers. <laughs> oh, there, there were some massive dudes in that crowd, yeah. but not as big as the brothers. Those <laughs> so dudes, the brothers are like flat, a foot taller than everybody else. The one is What's like that? six four. It's just kind of big. They're both got beards. I mean, you can pick them out so easily. I there's a picture. My wife took a picture. When I was talking to Tobin at uh, the Record Farmer Bonus Pints last year, and I, I look like a baby next to him, and you know how big I am. I mean, it's just it's amazing. It looks like he could pick me up and, and cradle me in his arms. <laughs> I, I don't want to think sure about could. that, man. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, yeah, no, those, those, they're real good dudes too, actually. Chicago guys, Southside guys, so big street punk big street punk guys they go out to all those shows so are you are you, are you, yeah. a, are you a vinyl guy it sounds it sounds like you are a vinyl guy right bones you got a big vinyl collection I'm, just, I'm, I'm standing in a room surrounded by three walls with records on them excellent yeah yeah uh, it's my my bedroom it's just it's it's like a record storage you know with a desk and then records it's like not, you can't, not, not as much you can't as, move as say wrong <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's getting it's getting bad. I need more space. Yeah, no, man, and it's uh, fucking heavy it's as well. If you have to move, on floor yeah. and uh, on other shelves that I don't want them to be on because I, I have no place to put them, and and they're stacked kind of pushed up against the wall. I'm looking at this. I'm like, fuck. Yesterday, I was like, I wasn't planning on doing anything, and then I received the uh, speaking of glam rock. I received the Demolition 23 LP in the mail yesterday. Ah, that's great, like, isn't it? That's a great reissue. Oh, it's uh, I've been waiting 30 years for this to be reissued, man. I heard it back in in 90s, in the 90s, the Japanese mm. CD when it came out, 94, and it just blew me away. You know, I was just like, Hanoi rocks, all right, yeah, Hanoi rocks are good, cool. And then I heard this, and I'm like, oh no, 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 this is this is the shit. Right here. I I hadn't so. heard of them until a few couple couple few years ago when we had Todd from the Cheats on. You know, that's when I first hmm. heard it because they did the they covered uh, that. Uh, they cover on the songs. Anyway, I hadn't heard them until a couple of years ago, but that is great, great stuff. Oh, Hammersmith, pa- Hammersmith Palais. Palais. Hammersmith yeah. Palais. That's, yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, great oh, they, song. they cover Hammersmith Palais. Yeah. yeah. There's a band that, you know, they were on TKO Records uh, back in the 90s called the Dead End Cruisers. Yep, I got that on that CD. Covered, yep. That, they covered that song two years after it came out. Yep. With Hammersmith Palais. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's actually, those are the guys that turned me on to Demolition 23 was the guitar player from the Dead and Cruisers. He's like, you have to hear this. And I listened to it with them and I was just blown away. And then they ended up co- covering Hammersmith Ballet and I was just like, God, it sounds so good. They do such a great version of it, you know? Um, 
but yeah, like, like it's so much vinyl and, and I, I received that in the mail yesterday and then I'm sitting around my house yesterday and a buddy of mine, Mike, uh, calls me up and he's like, Hey, you want to go record shopping? And I'm like, oh, God, of course I do. You know? <laughs> yeah, so I'm being really good too. I'm being really good. And I go, I, we, we go to the record shop and he's like, you find anything? I'm like, Nope. Didn't see anything I wanted. Do I need anything here? No, I don't. Right. I'm being really good. Don't need anything here. Um, and, uh, I almost picked up, uh, uh, what was it? the first uh, Vice Squad LP. They had an original pressing there, and I was like, ah, but I, I just didn't want to pay the price they were asking for it. And I'm like, ah, I can, I can wait on that. I'll find it cheaper. And so we go to this other record shop, and I'm like, fuck, I guess we're probably, I'm probably going to go home after this. I'm like, I have to have something, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a record guy, I'm sure you understand. It's like you, you know you're going home, and you've been to a record shop, and now you're at another one. You better grab something can't go home empty-handed and, no it's nice fuck no <laughs> nah. man that's just depression yeah you know? it's like oh man but i i but but i was uh i, I, I did get kind of stoked and picked up a, a first pressing of uh can't stand the brazillos on yeah. sire super 78 pressing oh, pro- promo stamp. so i was like you know i don't have that and there was that that's if you're going to own any brazillos that's the record to have. And it's been reissued a million times and it's not hard to find, but find for some reason, finding that sire pressing, that 78 sire pressing from whatever country is like, it never pops up mm-hmm. and it's not an expensive record. It's just something you don't find in the wild. You know, you'll find represses everywhere of it, you know, but I'm like, oh, okay, there's like 30 bucks. Okay. Yeah, they were Not they they were they were one of those bands. They had that that one great album, but they also had like four or five great singles as well. Some of the tracks weren't on the album, you know. Destination Venus oh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, Can't Stand My Baby, uh, Top of the Pops, obviously. Yeah. See, that's my see. The, you know, the problem Neil, is I have like a CD reissue of it, and it's got all those extra tracks on. it. Oh, it's got all the extra. Yeah, yeah, it's got them all on it. Yeah. Uh, dude, I'm I'm literally in the process of ordering this Demolition Twenty Three record right now. <laughs> well, labels. Oh, good. Have a, yes. Wicked Cool. The reissue's on Wicked Cool, which is... I don't really know much about that label, actually. I had never heard of it. I don't know. and I, I don't know, because I have... I, I don't even know where it's at, but Michael Monroe's last album called One Man Gang, I picked that up, and I was kind of wondering if it's on the same label. Because hmm. it's a gatefold also, and it's really nicely done. Just like this one. This one's a gatefold with a poster, colored vinyl, you know. It's it's liner notes on everything. They have liner notes on the song lyrics. Mm. You know, and then there's liner notes inside the gatefold. It's a gr- it's it's a great reissue. Well, you know, it's it's really a, well. a little a little moment of shame for Neil and I. There was an I, I, I so I, I've been writing for years for different punk places, so I have a lot of I get a lot of opportunities. A lot of people get offered to me as guests or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and one of them was demo. It was, I, I, I made a pitch for Michael Monroe, but it was too late because Neil and I were both like, we don't really know that stuff too well. I mean, I have a couple of Hanoi rock records, but we really weren't super familiar. So we hemmed and hawed and hemmed and hawed. And then when I made my pitch, it was too late. So oh, we, man. We screwed up because he's doing the, the Lords of the new church thing too. Now. Yeah. I don't know if it's a one off. Uh, for the Viva La Rock thing, but I know, I know he's singing uh, for um, Lords of the uh, Lords of the New Church. Now that uh, I, uh, yeah, if, we, if I, we get I another chance, I'll uh, see what we can do. 
I, I, me, Neil, maybe it was you that told me about that. Yeah, the it other was. Day. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that the other uh, week. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I really need to see that. Yeah, the, you know, he covers on on the Demolition Twenty Three record. You know, they cover uh, a Dead Boy song on there, and then there's also the very last song on it. I don't have my glasses, so I can't pick it up and read it. But, uh, but there's a song written by Stiv Bader's and Michael Monroe. Hmm. That's the last song on the record here. Um, I know that they were good friends, you know, uh, so it, it would, I think it would make perfect sense for him to go and front that band, you know, he, he he's going to do a killer job. You know, it's going to sound good. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I mean, he's, and, and it sucks to say it's different or whatever, but being a vocalist, I mean, Michael Monroe is obviously a better vocalist than Steve Vader's was. Those fight words. <laughs> I, I know, I, I know that's why I said. It's hard to say. But I'm wondering how it's going to sound with him singing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know what you mean. And, yeah. and, and But it, it's, uh, I mean, I love Stim Bader's vocals. Don't get me wrong. You know, I mean, fuck. Dead Boys are one of the greatest bands, you know? But it's, 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 it's comparing apples and oranges, really, you know? But uh, it's going to sound different. There's going to be more range, you know? Or is he going to dumb himself down? And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say it like that, <laughs> but I, I couldn't think of a better term to use, you know. Um, now, is he going to hold back a little bit, well, you know, to do these songs, you it's know? Fu- it's funny we're talking about that because I don't know if you know the Black Halos from, from Canada. Um, on the, uh, yeah, on, on their new album, uh, they actually do a Lord's cover and Michael Monroe sings it, funnily enough. What song is it? Ready to Snap. Oh. Yeah, off the first record. So uh, it's just, yeah, it's just kind of interesting. The, how's it, how's his voice? Is it deep? Invaders uh, have a deep voice. No, it's he's, not. He's a low range, you know. No, it's, it's not really deep. Actually, to tell you the truth, they they did a good job at it, but it's such a, it's such a good record on the whole that that's almost that's almost actually one of the worst songs on the record, funnily enough. But um, okay, I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna hear this tonight yeah. after we get off here. I, I need to hear that. Yeah, because you know. I, when I think about it, I think of like uh, "Dance with Me," right? Mm-hmm. And how low of a range Steve Vader's is singing, and and to to have Michael Monroe sing that, it's I'm I'm wondering what it's going to sound like because he sings real, you know, it's it's very low, you know. And I'm sure Michael Monroe can do it, but it's like I wonder if he's going to ape him or if he's just going to do his thing, you know? Yeah, I, I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. I think that gig is in. I think that because they're doing the sh- the Viva La Rock show. I think is in May. I think. Uh, That's it. Where is that going to be at? It's in London. In England. Yeah, it's in London. In yeah. London. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know it's if it's going to be. Right? I don't know if it's going to be a touring thing, and if they're going to keep doing it, or if it's a one-off. I'm not quite sure because I believe that Brian James isn't in the best of health, so it might just be a one-off. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, well, the, well, the, all the other guys in in in, in uh, Lords of the New Church are all English, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. So every everyone's in England. I mean, Steve Bader's was the only American in the band, right? If I'm not mistaken. So. I think the yeah. dr- I think the drummer was the drummer was maybe European, maybe or something. But the the other two guys were definitely English. Right. Yeah, but anyway, wow, we went off on a, t- went off on a tangent there, didn't we? Holy shit, that's what we do 100%. on this show. <laughs> yeah. Great music, man. Great well, that's music. the prop. That is it, right? You start tapping into this stuff, and you can just talk about this stuff with like-minded people for 
days yeah. on it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome to talk to people. It was like this with Mark as well. It's awesome to talk to people who actually just love music, right? And, you know... The, well, and you guys life. have a lot of similar reference points, even though I think... I think Bones is kind of right between us age-wise, but you guys have a lot of... Like you were talking about, like that... Like that Bay City Roller Shore, whatever. Like I, I have no recollection of that. I only got to see the Partridge Family. You know, I don't remember that <laughs> stuff. So, yeah, just a little too young, I guess. Bones, do, Bones, Boy, do, do, not do, very do, often. Do, I feel like, too oh, young. That was that, that. That was that was like pulling teeth for me, making me watch the Partridge Family when I was a kid. Oh, I hated that. Show. Yeah, we didn't actually watch it, but I remember it. My dad yeah, was pretty no nonsense. He wasn't really interested in watching a bunch of fruity kids and bell bottoms <laughs> dance around. <laughs> well, there you go. This is, this is Wisconsin, man. We don't go for that kind of sissy stuff. Put, a, put on Ironside. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Quincy. Fucking Quincy, yeah, exactly. dude. Yeah. yeah. Put on Quincy or Ironside or Emergency. Yeah, those are man shows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was the one with James Garner, who's the gambler. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Hey, getting back, <laughs> getting back to your stuff a second. So, don't you also do? An, aren't you doing another band at the moment too? I am doing another band at the moment. Yeah. I. Uh, so, um, uh, I I started another band. Uh, it's called Brazen Bull, and it is a straight hardcore band. So we're doing uh, early 80s hardcore. There's no metal, no guitar solos, no mosh. It is straight, negative approach, poison idea, clip boys. Great stuff. You know, it, yeah. is, it is just straight to the point, 30-second songs. I think, I think the shortest song we have is probably about two seconds. <laughs> uh, the... <laughs> The longest song we have is probably about a minute 30. Mm. And um, so it's straight hardcore. Um, we're actually, we got about 10 songs now. We're going in to record uh, in April. Um, and uh, it's, um, yeah, it's it's really therapeutic for me. The, the, uh, the stuff, the vocally, uh, lyrically, what is going on is um, a lot like Flipper. So it's very, uh, it talks a lot about depression, hmm. anxieties, and uh, um, kind of dark things, dark subject matters, you know? Um, I recently went through uh, a couple of really tragic things in my life, personal things. I, uh, I lost a couple of people that were uh, extremely as, as close as you can get close to me, uh, to suicide. Um, and this stirred a lot of emotions in me. It stirred a lot of, uh, um, uh, just ideas that I needed to get out mm -hmm. things that I needed to talk about to be uh, healthy in my own head, you know? And so there's a lot of, it talks a lot about these subjects. You know, the subject matter is, is, is talks about, uh, about feeling resentments and, and, and things like this. And, um, the subject matter is pretty serious, but the music sounds like it's going to kick you in the fucking teeth. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, 
it's uh I'm 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 having a lot of fun with it. It's a great release and I think this is what music is. This is why we create art, right? This is why an artist paints a picture or or someone plays a piano or writes a song or poetry or a book. We have to get this stuff out of us that's that's that if we keep it inside, you know, I, I feel that artists when you keep something inside that you need to let out and you don't let it out in a healthy way that you become self-destructive inside and it makes self-destructive tendencies and that can either come out in the form of fighting with other people fighting with yourself um uh you know it it does not manifest itself in a a healthy way when you keep these things inside especially for an artist that's why you see a lot of artists who are drug addicts and alcoholics who, uh, you know, because they have something in them that they don't know how to get it out. And when they can't get it out, they become self-destructive. You, that's where you get your Sid Vicious's and your Gigi Allen's and your Johnny Thunders, you know, all these people who couldn't really tell you what they wanted to tell you, whether it was for the act of act of, whether it was for the fact of them wanting to act cool and not be honest or whatever the case may be in my life, I feel I'm past that. Mm-hmm. And I need to put out whatever I need to put out to make myself healthy and feel better. And I implore anyone else who does the same thing. When I was a kid, um, I, one of the first punk records I'd ever bought was album by flipper. And I took it home and I listened to it and I went, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah. And then I went, well, you know, I'm a kid. I'm like, I bought it. I'm going to listen to it again. I'm going to listen to it again. And I kept listening to it and I read the lyrics. I kept reading the lyrics and I started understanding what these guys were getting at. Not the fact that they were drug addicts or alcoholics. That didn't phase me. I was 13. The fact that they were talking about such taboo subject matters and putting them out into the public mm-hmm. for people to, to hear and to, you, you know, you know, it's a, you ever look at a flower and hate it, you know, it's like, well, yeah, you ever see a couple kissing and get sick and bite? Well, fuck yeah, I have, <laughs> fuck it, you know, and it's like, well, I have too, you know, and it made me feel, you know, I've been on, you know. People take a lot of medications and, and are on a bunch of different things as children, and I was also, you know, um, and for depression and anxiety and things like that since I was a young kid, and it, which is something I think any, you should be able to talk about. I'm almost embarrassed to say that when it just came out of my mouth, and I shouldn't be. It's okay. We all go through things. So, um, and when I heard this, I related to it, and I went, you know what? These guys are doing it right because they're taking something that's inside and they're putting it out. They're voicing it. They're going, I'm hurting right now. I'm hurting inside. And they're not pointing the finger going, fuck you, society. Flipper didn't do that. They talked about what ha- what's happening in their heart and in their head. They talked about inner turmoil, and which was a healthy way for them to get something out. And I think it's a healthy way for anyone to do that, whether you're painting a picture or writing a song. It might be sad. Cool, let it be sad. 
You know, it might be happy. Cool, let it be happy. It might be about skins and punks uniting, <laughs> right? Yep. It could be about anything, but it's what you feel inside and to put it down on that page and to put it out to the public and bear your soul. So and who, that, I think that's important, you who, know? Who else is in the band with you? Important. Who else is in the band? So the band is consisting of uh, two friends of mine that I grew up with. My roommate, Greg, who I had mentioned earlier that when we got, we got into new music together, you mm-hmm. know, we were mods together. We became punks together. We went to our first show together, you know, um, first punk show together. And uh, so him, he's actually my roommate. He's sleeping in the other room. I'm probably bugging the fuck out of him right now, but whatever. <laughs> That's early. It's early um, over there. <laughs> it, it's totally early over here. It is not um, here, pal. <laughs> it's not early here. <laughs> um. And uh, so he's playing guitar. A uh, uh, friend of mine, Jim, uh, is playing bass. I've known him since ninth grade, so since 1984. Um, and then uh, we got this guy, Rob, playing drums that uh, that Jimmy brought in. We couldn't find a friend that I've known for 40 years to play drums, so <laughs> we got, we got yeah. someone else. But so all these people, we've all known each other our whole lives. And so it was kind of a natural thing when we're like, hey, let's start a hardcore band. It's like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Let's play 30 second songs just ah, like when we were kids. He's come back 40 years. Yeah, there we, you go. <laughs> and that's what we're doing. We're yeah. just playing like we were kids. Yeah. You that's know? awesome. And it's fun. So. Yeah. But that's not getting in the but way yeah, of the. Yeah, uh, recording. That, uh, what's that? No, say that's not getting in the way of the LCB stuff, though, right? Obviously. That still comes no, first. No, yeah. no, 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 yeah. no, no. It, it, it won't get in the way of LCB at all. Um, it's just a little side project I'm doing. We're, we're, uh, so yeah, we're going to record next month and, and, uh, um, we'll be putting out a cassette tape on, uh, Battle Scarred Records. Um, so they'll be doing the demo cassette. Um, there'll be some other stuff coming out. Uh, there'll be, we got plans for a flexi disc. Um, and that's about it and see how it goes from there you know okay. nothing too major no lp nothing like that we're just cassettes and flexies two of our very favorite formats ain't you <laughs> yeah i can't get enough flexies well i mean i know an eight track person if you need eight tracks so oh, you know, geez. <laughs> yeah yeah there we go awesome yeah, don't think anybody right. don't think anybody needs that. Um, let's play the last. Let's play the last track tonight. So I think we kept um, actually one of the one of my favorites for last. This is uh, New Seditionaries. Um, Great song. Yeah, do you want to tell the folks what what this one is about? It's obviously a title it's track of the last that, of the last uh, the last studio album. Yeah. It, uh, that song is about the tag on uh, the seditionary clothing line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's figured. Yeah. <laughs> I just, the, the, yeah, it's, uh, that song was actually written. I wrote those lyrics when we were on tour in Europe and, uh, sitting in the back of the, of the tour van. And, uh, while we were driving through the snow, I remember writing those down. Um, and I just thought, you know, I was, I always thought it was so kind of cool and, 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 uh, so kind of weird that Vivian Westwood would have put the tag on that shirt with those certain, you know, soldiers, prostitutes, dykes, and punks. And it's like, what an odd combination of people. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, you know, but when you think about it, we're all the same, it doesn't matter from a soldier to a prostitute. It doesn't matter. 
you know it's it, we're all human beings and and uh so the song is just it's it's an homage to you know it, it's definitely an homage to vivian westwood 100 percent um i have always had respect for her maybe not her husband but her as an artist i think she's amazing she created some great pieces mm-hmm. you know she dressed punk she gave punk clothes and 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 she went on to become this beautiful designer you know and it's like i so much respect for that um but uh but the song you know really is is it's an homage to her it's an homage to punk really and it's an homage to the to the uh the people that she mentions on that tag the soldiers the prostitutes the dykes and the punks we love them all you know without them we wouldn't be the world we are there you go. Let's uh, let's listen to the song. Then this will be the last one tonight from Lower Class Brats. This is New Seditionaries. <laughs> Class Bratz there with new seditionaries. And uh, if you don't have that album, you should get it because it's great. So, um. Also reissued PKO Records. Okay. So, people. So, yes. Yeah, so, it's, it's, being, it's being reissued or is it using it? No, it, it is out on TKO Records right now. There are new reissues of it out in shop. Oh, okay. You can, cool, order, cool. you can order it from us, from our big cartel. 
Yes, I was going to say, so why don't you um, tell everybody where they can pick up uh, T-shirts or, or vinyl or whatever of uh, Lower Class Brats? Where can they go to get this oh, stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, there are links on our social media. It's in, And if not, you can just go to lowerclassbratsbigcartel.com um, and uh, hit us up there. Everything that's in that shop is uh, sent out by the band. We package it. We send it out. We do not have any third party. Um, usually you get a nice little uh, love note from Ron <laughs> hmm. in it when, when it's sent out. So, uh, yeah, yeah, hit up the shop. You can find the new single in there. You can find our vinyl and, uh, and uh, you know, patches and T-shirts and scarves and whatever other kind of goodies we got floating around in the merch shop from time to time. So, And do you do, you do the design for all that stuff too? What are you saying? You're, you're the artist doing that stuff? Well, I do a lot of the the design work for uh, for like our ads and flyers and posters. Okay, um, gotcha. The stuff for the stuff for the t-shirts. We usually the Droog skull is usually drawn by different artists throughout throughout the years. Um, the original one, the original Droog skull with the safety pins behind it um, that has the hat kind of covering down over the face mm-hmm. is uh, that's my artwork. I drew that. Okay. And and uh, the logo, the ransom note logo with the you know, mm-hmm. um, I did all that stuff by hand. But um, but no, a lot of the t-shirt designs nowadays, uh, the design work for the shirts are done by various artists that we have, and a lot of them are you know they're good artists, and and uh, they do, you know, we've had people like Tokyo Hero do artwork for us. Uh, we have Ross from uh, from the band Ghoul. He does artwork for us. You know. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I always like to see after doing that original Droog Skull logo, it's kind of our, our Eddie, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I, wanna ha- I wanted to have him doing different things. And I wanted to see other artists' renditions of him and what they could make him doing. So it's, it's fun for me to see other artists, you know, have their hand in it and, like, what, what their perception of, of our Droog Skull is, you know, and what he could be doing, so. Well, cool, man. Um, yeah, anything else you wanna you wanna you wanna talk about? Anything else you wanna push for so, so the people can buy it? Because yeah. we've, I we've... think, I think I'm good, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we can, uh, um, you know, hit up hit up uh, lower class brats at bigcartel.com. Um, follow us on on Instagram. Follow Brazen Fucking Bowl on Instagram. Uh, yeah. Well, dude, thanks for bra- brazen bull. Is it bull? B u l l. Yeah, brazen bull. Yeah. yeah, brazen bull. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, dude, it's been totally cool hanging with you for the last two hours. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate it. I appreciate you, you guys asking me to come on and do this, man. I had a great time talking to both of you. That's awesome. Seriously, man. thank you. It was fun. Yeah. yeah I I. I was exceptionally I have not been getting enough sleep lately, so I am on the brink of just like a coma. <laughs> yeah, it's eleven o'clock for you, it. my friend. Yeah. Yeah, well, I get that. Well it's not even that. I just I you know, I got two problems, Neil. I've been working too much. I did get up in the middle of the night to go to work the other night, and my freaking old ass dog keeps waking me up in the middle of the night. I cannot it's like having a baby in the house. <laughs> sorry to sorry to hear that, man. Except for Except for if I had a baby, I wouldn't take it out in the woods and shoot it eventually, but then the people doesn't want to sleep. <laughs> Jesus. Well, anyway. there we go. But yeah, th- thanks, Bones, man. I'm sorry I missed you guys the other time you were in Chicago. I- I've not been able to make it up there the last couple of times. Um, so I hope you get back or come through Detroit or something. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully we get back out in the East Coast soon after this record's out, and we do a couple little uh, little quick legs up and down, and you know, you can come and hang out and go have coffee. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah. You can have coffee. I'm drinking beer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. For sure. Go, that, that'll be the trade-off. Yeah. Yeah. I'll yeah, get wired. Good. You get drunk. There you <laughs> go. No problem. There you go. But yeah, no, thanks. Thanks a lot, man. Good luck with the new record. Can't wait to hear it. Actually. Yeah. Can't wait to hear it. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Cheers, Bones. And uh, all right. All right. Cheers, guys. Yep. Stay free, everybody. Keep a little mark in your heart. And uh, we'll smell you later. Smell you later, everybody. Bye. Okay. That brings us to the end of another show. Hope you enjoyed it. Remember, keep a little mark in your heart. And we'll be back the same mark time, same mark channel. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Ah, ever get the feeling you've been cheated? Good night. What a fucking rotter. What a load of old shit. Thank you, fuck you, bye, boom.